JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, oh, the chicken. Double time. Miles Turner. Yeah. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And here we go on a Monday. Happy month of November. That's what the weather would lead you to believe. But in fact, it is the month of May. I love it when I look on the dry erase board. What year is this for me? I believe I got here the week leading up to the Indy 500 back in 2010. I love looking on the dry erase board and seeing trackside and beyond the bricks every single night. I just do. That means it's an excellent time of year. Now, again, we're a little bit fooled because of the weather right now because it's more like November weather out there than it is 1st of May weather. But here we are and here we go. Trackside, beyond the bricks, 7 and 8 o'clock, respectively, coming up later on tonight here on The Fan. And we are glad that it is back. Now, busy weekend for you. We'll go over all these Colts draft selections. Actually, I will tell you this. I probably won't go over them all uh, as finely tuned as some might because we've got, obviously, some bigger issues either with the positive or the negative. And I'll explain what I mean by that. So I was on with Tony Katz this morning doing a video shout and – he had asked me for a grade, and if you follow me long enough, I don't do a grade. And I know I don't begrudge anybody that does because I know that that is part of the print media. That's part of their gig to give out a grade. They're all told by their editors or their bosses or whatever you have to give a grade. I, I don't ever give a grade. My grade is consistently incomplete. And I don't know if I take the high road, the low road, the easy road, the difficult road, or what. But... I just kind of have to wait and see. And if I'm going to have an opinion, I'm going to base it on exactly what I felt was necessary and what they went out and decided to do over that three-day period. 
And I'll be honest with you, looking at this, until you actually see these dudes play, there's nothing there that shouts, I cannot believe they did that. That's ridiculous. Or a reason why anybody could really get mad. Now, on the other hand, I know there are a lot of people absolutely thrilled out there. PFF gave them an A-plus grade. They're really smart, and I'm really not. So take that for what it's worth. But it still is tough to grade without seeing these dudes doing anything yet. And there still is. With this group, there is a lot of rawness. I mean, there is a lot of rawness that you're going to have to deal with. Now, the one thing that Chris Ballard did, and Chris Ballard more than occasionally likes to do that, and that is go out there and find those incredibly athletic guys at the positions of need. That's exactly what he did. Like Julius Brents, not too far away from Warren Central from Kansas State, number 44 overall, round number two. Cornerback. Maybe not the fastest quarterback out there, but is six foot three. He's huge for a cornerback. Very raw. Josh Downs, wide receiver, put up big numbers at Carolina. Has a father, a former NFLer. Dre Bly is his uncle, a former longtime cornerback NFLer. And he had a great, I mean, a fantastic career at North Carolina. Blake Freeland, BYU, tackle. Adetamwa Adabwabar. <laughs> Adetamwa Adabwore from Northwestern. An edge rusher. Some say that he fell. Darius Rush, cornerback, South Carolina. Daniel Scott, safety, cow. Will Mallory, of course, you know the Mallory family around here. Friend of the show, Kurtz, his uncle, dad, Mike Mallory, works for the Denver Broncos, tied in Miami of Florida, Evan Hall, Northwestern, Titus Leo, Wagner, Jalen Jones, Texas A&M. Maybe the most interesting one there is very Ballard-esque. It's drafting somebody that really doesn't have a great deal of history playing, but is big and incredibly raw. The rawest of the raw, if you will. And then, of course, you go back to Friday when we talked with him on the air, Anthony Richardson. This is a raw group, but when you look at a quarterback, cornerback, wide receiver, tackle, edge, cornerback, safety, tight end, running back, edge, cornerback, tackle, it does make sense. It makes sense why you would take that path. Now, I could argue this. I could argue that this team is absolutely in need of consistent higher level or consistent top-end talent. And it makes you wonder how often you're going to find that anywhere past the third round. I mean, a lot of the geeks out there say that you can, and apparently, you know, if you're PFF and you give them an A-plus, you believe that they can. If it were me and you wanted to get more of a definitive feel out of what you're going to do, you know, maybe a wide receiver – in the second, flip it to cornerback in the third. But, I mean, who am I? That was my thought going in. And I don't need the self-gratification of, well, they did exactly what I said they were going to do. I mean, that's jackassery. So what they did basically is what 
we all, in a nutshell, believed that they should be doing. They went out and got athletically gifted and by position necessary talent for this team. And now it's going to be up to them to cobble something out of it. So it's tough for me to sit here and give them a grade. Again, I don't work on this all year long like it's PFF trying to come up with something like that. They have. They feel it's necessary. That's okay. Likewise, I don't get out of been out of shape if Pete Prisco says, well, I think they got to be. I don't know what the difference is. Actually, I do know what the difference is. If you look at this, most of the difference is how the author feels about that first round pick. Or in this case with the Colts, how the author, those that are handing out these ridiculous grades, how that author feels about Anthony Richardson. You know, whether or not it should have been somebody else, it should have been Will Levis, or it should have been trying to trade up to get one of the two other quarterbacks going in front, or, you know, it's going with Hendon Hooker or anything else. Normally, that's the case. Normally, you look at that, and that is where the overwhelming opinion does lie. So that's where we are right now. And believe me, there's nobody been more of a harsh critic on Chris Ballard than me, but I'm not going to sit here and do this unfairly. I let other jackasses do that. That's not going to be me. I'll do it fairly. I'll do it concisely, and I'll do it with my own non-axe-to-grind opinion. And what I witnessed over that three-day period is just a team going out and filling gaps that were necessary that we all been whining and crying about. And doing it with a crap ton of athletic dudes. So I'm assuming most of you are happy. And again, I'm assuming if you're unhappy, it comes down to that first pick. That number four overall and the quarterback decision that was made. Most of you are probably is that simple. It comes down to that. Here's the other angle for it, too. And this I also get because you've had six years and one playoff win. You've had six years, a couple of playoff appearances. It also comes down to whether or not you have just any belief whatsoever in what Chris Ballard is doing. And if you don't, you're not going to buy any of this, and this is all really stupid, and look, out thinking the room again, or trying to get all these guys where you know that you're going to be around here. Well, he knows he's going to be around here. Unless this is an absolute disaster, he's going to be around here. Three years at least. I can guarantee you this. They didn't draft Anthony Richardson to make sure that everybody's going to have a gig in three years. They drafted him because Shane Steichen wanted to draft him. And I'll also sit here and tell you that's the way that it should be. He's the one that's going to work with him. He's the one that everybody said when they brought him in, well, this guy has worked with all these quarterbacks and look at what he has done. Why would you not want him to make that ultimate decision? Oh, I know that Ballard had certainly say in it. I know that Jim Ursay had say in it. I'm sure in that room they all did to a degree. 
but none more louder, and rightly so, than Shane Steichen. That is the way that it should be. And you can make the argument, well, he really hasn't done anything yet. Why does he get that type of leverage? That's why they brought him in here. That's why he gets that type of leverage. That's why he's here. Yeah, coach, win, but specifically offensively. Calling the plays, he's going to work all this. That's why he is here. So he should have the loudest voice. And that's really what it comes down to. Uh, If you're not happy with what took place over this three-day period, for the most part, you could probably backpedal it and track it to the fact that you don't believe in general manager Chris Ballard. Or you can put it this way. If anybody went out there, and I know you read these blogs. I have zero problem with these blogs, anything like that whatsoever. I want everybody to do what everybody wants to do. But sometimes you will read this. You will read, if they end up picking somebody that you had hard targeted, that you thought was an area of need, and would like to see the Colts bring in, then that makes you more happy about the pick. You're thrilled about the pick. So then you kind of you kind of lose your fair and balanced coverage there a little bit. And same thing goes with Ballard if you're completely anti. Hey, I'm still prove it to me. Now this is all fantastic. But the one thing that you want to see is you want to see a translation. You want to see a translation on the field. That's what you haven't seen. I mean, oh, so much has been made about what what Ballard has has done, and I've talked about what he hasn't done, but I kind of look at this draft as he doing what was necessary for this team. And if you disagree with what he has done by virtue of all these picks, you're probably somebody that has zero belief in him in the first place. Granted, am I skeptical? Absolutely. But I also sit here and I can tell you I know the guy is going to be here for the next three years. So what's going to do nobody any good to sit here and shake your fist at something that is not going to happen? He's not going to go anywhere. If you want him to go someplace and you're sick and tired of it, then you may want to disappear for about three years and then reemerge to see what's going on around here because that's the way that it's going to be. Uh, You could see this draft was about bringing in pieces that were necessary and just going with across the board a high detail of athleticism. And we'll see what happens. It's tough really for me to get excited across the board about all these guys knowing how many of them likely either won't make it or may go to the practice squad. But it's interesting to talk about right now. Like I read this tweet a little bit earlier today. Didn't respond to it. I just kind of read it saying, oh, there goes ESPN and local sports talk radio. They spend three months talking about who they believe their team should pick and then three months dissecting it. That's called sports talk radio in an NFL market before and after the NFL draft. That's what that's called. That's what is done. I'm lucky sitting here. I only have one specific lean as far as what I need to talk to to keep you guys around, and that's the team that you care about. I can't imagine trying to do this nationally like me being Greenberg, right? 
and I just swoop in there for my one day a week and then do two hours talking about the Jets, and you make everybody in New York happy, I guess, and then swoop back out. I don't know. That would be tough. That would be tough. You know, this comes with people that I see, people that I know, people that I know that are invested in this team and want to see a change. And when I mean invested in this team, I mean actually pay money for the tickets and the gear and to go places and do things. Going to get a three-year reboot with a general manager to see if this can get figured out. And your opinion probably is someplace in between, I don't believe in Ballard or I still believe in Ballard. Or he picked the guy that you like and you like him a great deal. Or it hinges on how much you like the pick at quarterback. It always does. Not rocket science for us. It might be for them. I'm not sure it should be, but it might be for them. But it's definitely not rocket science for us. Uh, Julius Brent's interesting. I was over at Warren yesterday. Try not to poke my eyes out watching some uh, girls, young bas- young girls basketball. <laughs> I was over there watching that yesterday and Saturday. Man, you walk in, there, you, there's a trophy case right there. There's a trophy case. Like I walk into Eastern and there's like a couple of trophies. Hey, this is what happened when you won this back in 1964 or something like that. There, that's a trophy case and worn. You go, whoa, this guy was winning and everything. But that is a hell of a story regarding Julius Brents. So good for him. That was a name that we've heard. That was a name when we had Daniel Jeremiah on last week at this time, Rick Venturi on last week at this time. They both talked about. So job well done by Julius Brents. Josh Downs, wide receiver, again, massively productive at the collegiate level. 5'9", 5'10", somewhere in that neighborhood. Fast, going to wear number one. Uh, Speaking of reboot, I guess it's kind of a Paris Campbell reboot here. But you really can't, really can't get into the overall criticism until you see these guys play. And then when you see these guys play, you compare them to those that went in and around. That's when you can get into it. That's when you can start grading it. You don't really give a damn what the grade is right now. It could be an A plus or a B or a D or whatever. You just want to see that higher grade once they get on the field and play. That's when you can actually grade it. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, but that is true. And a lot of interesting prospects here, and that's the way it is. You get a lot of raw molding to do from this coaching staff. Yeah, we shall see if they're capable of doing it. If you missed any of it on Friday, Anthony Richardson joined this show for about seven minutes. Uh, very good podcast has been up all weekend at 1075thefan.com. So you can certainly check that out. Uh, very good. Caught him right before he went into the owner's office. That is also very good. Uh, busy show for you today as well. I think Jake's going to join us in the 4 o'clock hour, right? Ian Eagle of TNT. 
Ian Eagle not only is really good, he's going to be taking over for the NCAA tournament, Final Four and Championship Game Voice, taking over for Jim Nance. He's always been great. He's got a son that's going to be great. But there is nobody I'm more excited to talk to than Ian Eagle coming up today at 4.30. Scott Carter is a play-by-play voice of the Florida Gators. He's going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour. A little bit more in-depth on your future quarterback around here. And Tony Leach has got a basketball challenge coming up, I want to say, this weekend. Yeah, Saturday. Midwest Challenge. We'll talk about that with Tony, see if we can get some folks out there. Xavier Booker may join us too, but we'll see. We just want to make sure that you guys get the opportunity to go watch this at Attics High School coming up this weekend. Tony's going to join us to lay it out for you coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Inside the Lounge via YouTube Live as well. We'll fire that up coming up in just a minute. I mentioned this was a fantastic sports weekend. The, The NBA stuff was great. It was absolutely great. I know I, 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 Jimmy Butler can drive me nuts. But the guy goes out and he's got one job and it's to whip your ass. I love that part. I love it. And that's what he normally does. Like wind him up and go. He has been so often kind of left off, out of this group. Left off that page. Left out of that group. Now, you talk about reestablishing this year. And then Steph Curry. Are you kidding me? Some of those shots he hit. I was thinking about this yesterday. And I, you know me. I like Doma Sabonis a great deal. Goes all the way back to my kid's love affair with Gonzaga. Watching him before any of you knew who he was outside of having a famous dad playing center for so many years, both internationally and in the NBA. And Arvita Sabonis. So I go way back with Doma Sabonis. But, man, you saw something yesterday. You guys know what I'm talking about. There's no doubting his skill set. There's no doubting his level of toughness. But when you don't have to guard somebody, that is problematic, especially when you get at this point in the NBA season. When he was with the ball out front, they, second half especially, you well, they don't even look at him. They do not even look at him. He is not a threat. He was not a threat, especially when you get down and know you have to work your way back and you're looking for threes, for example. I almost felt bad. I mean, Looney didn't even come close to guarding him. Just stayed down in the paint the entire time. You have to be accounted for. Have to be guarded. And as good as he has been, as good as I want him to be, because I do like him, not being a threat, is detrimental to the program. And you certainly saw that yesterday. Now, they were all spinning. Now, that second half, when Curry was going off and they knew that they didn't have an answer for that, you kind of saw how screwed they looked. But, man, he is just simply not being guarded by anybody. And that can't happen. Cannot happen. There were a couple of times you're thinking, man, just go put that up and maybe it goes in, become a threat, something. But again, you know that Golden State was going to take it. 
Because Golden State oftentimes easily, because three is better than two, will take that three over the two. And then when you have Curry cooking at that level, you might as well forget about it. But that was fun to watch. I wasn't one of those. While I like watching Sacramento, I wanted to see more the Lakers and the Warriors matchup. I kind of wanted to see that more. But that was a struggle. Got two more later on tonight. We'll get to those coming up in just a minute as well. Got an IndyCar race from yesterday. Scott McLaughlin was the guy that won. I think uh, Romain Grosjean finished second. little budding rivalry going on with McLaughlin and Grosjean. Nice getting into the month of May around here. Uh, we'll talk draft. We'll talk draft to get back to a lot of your thoughts on Anthony Richardson. The one thing that I noticed more than anything else is even if you, and I'm assuming probably more people out there that suggest they like the pick are still very skeptical about what he could translate into, concerned that maybe he's not going to turn out as good as some people believe that he can. And again, that all comes naturally because you haven't had anything at all good to embrace around here in forever. That's what happens when you are gobbled up by negativity. And I don't blame you. I do not blame you. You are not going to think that this organization will make a right selection until you see that selection do something. And not just in terms of an individual effort, but something that equates to this team getting back on the type of track that you had come to expect. Otherwise, you're going to be a non-believer. Otherwise, you're not going to buy it whatsoever. And that's where some of you are right now. Kind of caught between the the blogging euphoria of, hey, they picked the guy that I like, the guy that I outlined, and between, well, this guy's never going to pick anybody. And look, now he's going into a seventh year and six years to decide this and look where you are. It is all incredibly natural until they prove it to you. But the one thing that I didn't notice, even with those non-believers regarding Richardson at the top of this list, even with the non-believers, there is a little bit more juice about, oh, yeah. That is a little bit more interesting than what I thought. And you have to admit, there was zero juice around this team going in. None. But I thought all in all, again, you just go on the perception and the belief of what they did. I thought that portion of it was good over the weekend. Like, I find it hard to sit here and be critical about very much. And really, if you swoop in and you either criticize or you believe the whole lid's going to blow off and this is going to be greatness, I mean, you're, you're misled at that point anyway. Like, other people need to be taking a similar path as I am right now. Because you just don't know. But what you do understand is that it makes sense. This all makes sense. Now go coach him up. See how good a talent evaluators your guys were going in and then make something happen. I equated this this morning once again to the Pacers. The Pacers, you knew going in that they were doing something that you as a Pacer fan wanted to see, a rebuild. They were doing that. And Rick Carlisle talked about how it could be a mess for a minute. 
And then they gave you reason in December to hope. They gave you reason, and I mean actual reasons when you were watching to go, oh, wow. You thought for a moment they're ahead of schedule. That's great. As it turned out, they weren't with that injury to Halliburton, but whatever. But they gave you reason to believe. That's what this group needs to do. This group, that team, they need to give you a reason to believe. I think everybody understands the situation. I don't think anybody expects rookie quarterback Andrew Luck to step in here and this team go to the postseason. It'd be nice, but I don't think anybody expects it. But go past some of those expectations. Just bits and pieces of things where you can go, oh, yeah, you know what? This is working out great now. That is what's necessary. Make that thing look like what the Pacers did this past year. If you have more success, then so be it. Because, frankly, I don't want to see this group back up in the top five as far as draft selections would be concerned next year. Like, Pacer fans would love to see that. As a Colts fan, you don't want to see that. But give folks a reason to believe because they have been left without that now for a while. All right, Jake Query, top of the 4 o'clock hour. Ian Eagle of TNT and CBS is going to be here coming up at 4.30. Scott Carter is the voice of the Florida Gators football program. And Tony Leach has the Midwest Challenge of Hoop put together. We'll talk to Tony late in that 5 o'clock hour. It is on a Monday. James is here. I'm John. Thank you so much for joining us inside the lounge via YouTube Live. You guys can go ahead and log in. We will have discussions, maybe discussions about the show. Probably not, but whatever. Whatever you want to hit over the weekend, too. I'm sure I'm missing something. I know the Reds had a win streak, and then the moment that Litzy said, hey, look, the Reds have a win streak, and then I thought about it for five minutes, what happened, they lost. MLB over the weekend, too. HD Radio, the stream, the app, and 93.5 and 107.5, the fan. Your call's on the other side next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. No, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It is not. It is. <laughs> you just contradicted me. No, I didn't. Oh, you did. No, 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 no. You did just no, then. No, no, no. Oh, look, this is futile. No, it isn't. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I got some time for calls regarding this weekend's draft. We'll get your response to that. You got mine. I hopefully sorted it out for you a little bit right there. Skivvy says today Kings fans are not so much Domus fans as they have been. It was just tough to watch him not get guarded late at all. And not be a threat. And I like the guy, too. I want to see the guy play well. That part really did suck. But that was that was the thought I had when I was watching that. Yeah, I don't... You look at it this way. This is from Rob. Every time I listen to Anthony Richardson... When you listen to him on the show, Rob, on Friday... Listen, I don't know if anybody, I'm trying to think if anybody's ever had a first, I, I guess, uh, few very first incredibly bad impressions. 
but that one was a good one. It normally is. You just know that this is going to take a bit, and that's what you look for. And just lay the groundwork. I look at that draft, and just to me, I don't think I'm happy just because they went at the needs that specifically we talked about here, but we weren't breaking any new ground. Everybody was talking about that because it was obvious that's what they needed. Toby writes this, I thought it was an okay draft. I love the Richardson pick, but they didn't upgrade a wide receiver. All they did is replace the slot receiver that they lost. Our wide receivers never get any separation. They need that true number one. They're not any better a wide receiver than they were a year ago. And you can certainly make that argument. I do like, I mean, just watching what he did, and I'll give you that great example. You know, the work that he did at Carolina was ample, and I could understand why they decided to go there. But I guess you're kind of right regarding if you're me and you're constantly looking for more than just Josh Downs, I get that. But he has been incredibly productive. And separation that you're talking about, I don't know. I don't know how this I don't know how this is gonna look this year. There are going to be some heavy bumps in the road. The Jake Witt in round seven, 236 from Northern Michigan. You go, what the hell? I actually looked up. He's from Bruce Crossing, Michigan, which is in the upper peninsula. And his path is fairly interesting. If you have not seen that. (laughs) Very much so taking a chance. Yeah, if you missed out on day two, Julius Brents and a group of long athletic prospects that the Colts were looking for for the past several years defensively. 6'3", 34-inch arms, 42-inch vertical. Doesn't run as fast as you would like, but has a lot of other incredibly athletic assets to bring to that defense in the secondary and you mentioned downs to i think looking back he was maybe the fifth wide receiver on the pro football focus board and the colts got him at 12 i don't know what that means <laughs> i don't know i don't know if you do you say that they got great value or what if it's not somebody else's value Right? So they got a highly productive collegiate wide receiver. I would just say that's good. Fast, small, but fast. Yeah, I saw this too. 13 of 18 contested targets for Carolina in 2022. So, yeah, PFF had him wide receiver five, and he goes wide receiver 12 for the Colts. So you can do with that whatever you would like to do with that. That's pretty interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was over at Warren this weekend, and their trophy case is incredible. I did not know this, however. 
if you ever find yourself at Eastern Hancock High School, go look in their trophy case. All of their success has come in rodeo and livestock events. Like nothing you've ever seen. I don't know. Why, why does GC not have a livestock? They should, right? I mean, a lot of 4-H stuff going on down there. No rodeo stuff. Lots of 4-H stuff, though. See, I don't like this. Steven San Antonio says, let's not forget to thank former Colts head coach Jeff Saturday. If it weren't for him, we wouldn't even had the fourth selection. See, man, you guys are on your own on that. I mean, you guys want to detach. I mean, some of you young, and I'm not talking about you specifically here, Steve, but some of the younger generation without the respect of Manning kind of want to run that era off and Jeff Saturday's a part of it. I don't get that whatsoever. I just, it's either A, you're too young to know and maybe kind of stupid. And I guess B is kind of the same thing. You're just a dumbass. Seriously. I don't know why you'd want to do that. I don't know why you still wouldn't want to embrace it. But I guess Eat your own, huh? (laughs) Eat your own. This can't be a group of fans that are too young to remember what that group meant. And you could have a little bit of respect, I guess. It's weird. I don't know how you have more respect, for example, out of what you believe in Ballard right now than what you would with that group, whatever. But that still drives me nuts. There's nothing. Listen, we all understood how bad that was going. And it could have gone that bad anyway. And it got worse, progressively worse. We all understood that he wasn't going to be back as the head coach. But just some of the ways and means that some of these jackasses out here went about this is embarrassing. Now, history, especially successful history is cool. Some of you need to learn that. Always go back to it. What do they say? What do I see over at Warren this weekend? Tradition never graduates. There's a lot of truth to that. And that was where the tradition here was built. That was stupid. Now you have to look back on that and think you're stupid, don't you? You guys that took part in that petition, you look in the mirror and go, God, I'm stupid. I would have to think so. Right, Warwick, lead us off today at 239-1070. What do you got, brother? Hey, Warwick, I'm here. Are you? Is there nothing there from Warwick? That sounds like that's a phone issue. Let me see if Mario's ready here. Hold on a second. Are you ready? How are you doing? Hey, Mario, go ahead. Talk to me. Oh, about Jeff Saturday. I mean, a, a great center. I don't know if undersized. He played how many years for us and protected, helping me make the calls. And like you said, no, with respect, if we kind of forgotten. Plus, you know, he won for, only won one game. Taking oh, it was, it, was a, it was a mess. It was a mess. But I think we all understood that it was a mess. I mean, I didn't know. I don't think anybody expected anybody. I mean, really, you're probably glad it was a mess because if he'd have won one or two more games, he would still be here right now. So Exactly. I think he should have won three or four. I mean, the Minnesota game, we won't talk about that, but that's one. And then he won lost by six to the Eagles. And another one, we should have won big, uh, 
Another, another one we should be let, let me just tell you this, Mario, and, I, and, I, and thank you for the call. I don't want to get into all this today. It's probably the wrong day to do it. But if you cast negative judgment on anybody of that group that brought a Super Bowl title here, you're an idiot. If you're a Colts fan, you're an idiot. And really, I probably should not even, even embrace at all your opinion. But when I see it, sometimes I respond, sometimes I don't. But you're just stupid. That was the greatest of times. And until somebody steps up and gives you a little bit more, that's always going to be the greatest of times. No reason to crap on it. Don't blank where you eat here. But that's an argument for another day. Ridiculous argument for another day. Ridiculous that I have to sit here and even remind anybody of that. You think Peyton Manning's going to pick the quarterback here? Are you kidding me? <laughs> they say, I shouldn't even say they. He asked, what do you think about this guy? Here's what I think about that guy. And you know what they did? For the most part, they let the new head coach select the quarterback. Sitting here right now, without playing a game, without seeing a snap from Anthony Richardson, well done. That's exactly how it should go. At the end of this roundtable discussion with all the scouts and all the executives, you should turn to the new head coach and say, all right, well, you're the guy that has worked with all these quarterbacks in the past. Who do you want to work with here? Who do you believe in the most here? That's how it went down, and that's exactly how it should have gone down. That's well done. Well done. Quick break, and we'll come back. Query, top of the hour, Ian Eagle. Scott Carter, by the way, is a writer. Is that Gators.com or Gators something or other? Something Gators in Gainesville. But he writes stories. We're going to ask him regarding Anthony Richardson coming up in the 5 o'clock hour, too. A little bit more on that. If you missed that conversation last week, 107.5thefan.com. About seven minutes. He was good. Can't wait to talk to some of these other guys. There are some stories there. Will Mallory, the Mallory family, you know, I mentioned the kid from the UP. You know, when you're looking at it from top to bottom, there are really good storylines there. Josh Downs with the NFL family. Yeah, I think you have every reason to like what the Colts went out and did this weekend. Every reason. And now you put that on the back burner and you move forward to see exactly what they can do. You know, how they transform, how they evolve into the players that you hope for. But yeah, I couldn't find a problem with it. The problem has been the translation to winning games. That's going to be the part that needs to be fixed at some point here. But I would invite you to be happy. With that draft, you have no reason not to. There is no, not one legitimate reason out there to crap on this draft. Not one. Unless you just have an axe to grind anyway. And it's lucky you have me, Mr. Fair and Impartial, leading the way from three until six. Your calls, query top of the hour, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Don't you feel fortunate? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. 
The Ride with JMV. We have the Holy Hand Grenade. Yes, of course. The Holy Hand Grenade of Antioch. Right. One, two, five. Please, Three. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. I see somebody paid like a grand to go see Pearl Jam in September. I'm going to have to backdoor that. <laughs> the back door of that now steven san antonio you did not get me all spun up it, it needed to be said we have to teach the younger generation to respect the only generation of football in this market with the colts that ever won anything so no that was necessary it's all for another time, but it's absolutely necessary. It's necessary to teach that quick point anytime. But it is a conversation that can be had at a different time. Uh, Jim McCann writes this, the Colts' wheels were off under Frank, and Jim Irsay kind of jumped in with both feet. It was already a mess. Jeff Saturday tried to rescue the team that he loves. He also had to give some intel to the owner about stuff that was going wrong Robbie writes this so what do they do Menchu runs things until Richardson is ready I would assume but I would bet they would hope that Richardson gets thrown in there sooner rather than later might be too early to tell but I don't know Steichen's style uh, I don't think anybody really does. I don't even think they know, even close to knowing right now. So that is going to be a wait and see. Ballard on Friday, was it Friday when he talked to the media or Thursday night? I can't remember now. It's been a few days. I spent two and a half hours yesterday in the hallway with a bunch of other people with no lights on at Warren Central, so it's been a while. But... They don't know. I'm assuming that they would like. But Ballard, when he met with the media, sounded a great deal like Rick Carlisle did to us. You know, don't overexpect. What did he say? Something like, don't expect to see Superman. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, this team's going to suck and suck and suck and suck. You know what I mean? Not that way, but... I gave you a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel because this was something similar that the Pacers are going through, and they gave you a reason to be excited. Even with not winning at a clip that was playoff worthy. It's just weird, too. You're in a spot where some of you don't believe in Ballard, and... When I say, hey, this is going to take some time, this is like year one or two normally. If you're with a general manager, it's going to take a little bit of time. Normally, you don't get the, it's going to take a little bit of time coming out of a very unsuccessful six-year period. It's weird. And no question about that. I think Warwick, is he back here? Warwick, are you there? John, can you hear me? I got you, buddy. Go ahead. Uh, Hey, buddy. Uh, Well, congratulations, by the way. What did I do? You finally got your wide receiver, man. <laughs> yeah, more than that. That's what I should be griping about today. I'm not, though. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I kind of think that uh, 
Ballard kept trading back to add more picks yeah. because he thinks the roster's thin. You know, well, there's we no question about that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Um, but there were a couple of points there that I wasn't thrilled about. Um, number one, that tight end, they could have taken a mayor out mm-hmm. of Notre Dame. Right. I think he's special. I, I think trading back from him may end up being a mistake that bites him. Also, I like the Ben Davis tackle out of Ohio State better than uh, I don't know the kid from BYU. But you can't teach 6'8", 374 pounds. Yeah. 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 He, um, yeah, we'll see. I mean, they got a a new leader, too, with Tony Sperano Jr. as their offensive line coach. So we'll see. I'm sure people probably feel that and hope that that's going to be better compared to the way it was a year ago, kind of like they hope that Steichen's going to be better compared to the way that it was a year ago as head coach. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there's not, I I can't be critical of of the directions that they go. I mean, I could sit here and jokingly tell you maybe a a wide receiver or two more, but really nothing more than that. Now you just got to sit back and wait and see how these guys develop. Exactly. Um, I, I thought I, I was real happy that they signed. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, but Amikior. Yeah, the kid from Northwestern. Yeah, in Alabama. Oh no, you're no, talking. I'm sorry, you're talking about the offensive lineman from Cathedral. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because uh, you know he played from Alabama. Right. Some people said he might go as high as the fourth round. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, how many of these guys do you think make the team? You know what? It's funny. Todd Meyer, our executive producer, was just in here talking about that very thing. And they've, they're have they going to have a lot of spots to fill here. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, you'd like to think that most of this haul you put in there at least would, you know, give you time and reps on the practice squad, which I would guess. But there's a reason why, you know, he felt he needed to fill some gaps there. I would argue this, Warwick, and thank you for the call that you also needed to fill gaps at a higher level or try to address that. Because not only did they not have the depth, but they just simply didn't have across the board the talent that is necessary at at the top of the roster either. So there might have been times when you're thinking, yeah, you know, maybe put something together and try to trade up a little bit higher instead of continuously trading back. But it was clear they wanted to add a lot, a lot of bodies, a lot of what they believe to be talented bodies to this roster. So it's tough to argue that, but it's also tough to argue and look at the top of this roster and and know that they do suffer in terms of high-level talent. And trading back normally is not an, a good path to – to help that out. I thought maybe there was opportunities to trade back in, trade back up a little bit higher, maybe get back into round number three, something like that, but they chose not to. A trackside beyond the bricks, 7 and 8 o'clock later on tonight. Ian Eagle, bottom of the four. Scott Carter is going to give us a little bit more regarding Anthony Richardson riding for the Gators down in Gainesville on the 5 o'clock hour. And Tony Leach has a basketball extravaganza for you. Uh, He's going to join us at 5.30. Midwest Challenge 2023. We'll explain that with Tony coming up at 5.30. Otherwise, 239-1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Everybody's happening in there. Eastside Kenny says, JMV Big Tuna. I am on like a uh, fourth straight day of tuna. How about that? Albacore, baby. And I tell them that all the time inside the Loud via YouTube Live. Get there, participate in the conversation and more. Your thoughts on the draft via phone, YouTube Live, email, Twitter, and more. Hour 2 begins with Jay Query next. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, I and Eagle, bottom of the hour, TNT, CBS, TNT playoffs, CBS now, voice of the final four in the championship game. Taking over next year for Jim Nance, I and Eagle, bottom of the hour. Scott Carter's going to be here too. Give us uh, his opinion in covering the 13-game window. Level one, Anthony Richardson, Colts quarterback. Scott's in the 5 o'clock hour. Tony Leeds talks about the Midwest Challenge coming up this weekend. It is a hoops extravaganza with Tony in the 5 o'clock hour. we have anything to give away today? How in the hell do we not have anything to give away? No tickets? My God, everybody in the world's on the road. How do we not have any tickets? That's silly. The start of May? <laughs> what the hell? Like, everybody and their mother's on the road right now. What in the world? Who do I have to yell at? Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. Morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. It is Jake Query. How in the world do I not have any concerts? Seriously, everybody but pure Prairie League's on the road, and they may be too. Uh, I was just calling in for the free concert tickets. <laughs> is that the wrong place here? Apparently so. I don't know what's happening here, but I don't like it. I'm going for somebody. I saw somebody posted a picture of Chicago. Yeah, it was in Chicago, not here. But uh, the Pearl Jam was like eight, like reselling to like eight hundred a piece. Uh, Skivvies tells me here that tickets were near one thousand dollars in general for Pearl Jam. So what he said. I mean, that's I can yeah. That's a uh, that's a struggle. Yeah, that's. I, I get it. I mean, I, I understand that people are and. No, I do too. It's a, it's a one timer. I mean, yeah. that that is a that's Correct. a one time that most people out there, even if you don't like that genre of music, would dig putting that on their resume. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm not a huge. We've had that discussion. I mean, I I respect them and I understand why people are diehards about them. I, I just wouldn't be in that category, but. That seems like a, that's a lot of money to spend on something, but to each their own, you know. I mean, I get it. People uh, people would love to see them, and you're right. It probably is a one-time deal. What would you um, – give me two things that you would spend $1,000 on instead of Pearl Jam tickets. Just right off the top aside of your head. From a va- aside from a vacation? Yeah, just off the top of your head. I mean, airline tickets to interna- – international air- airline tickets and – I mean, that's you're still going to pay for the vacation, though, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. I, that, it's a short list. Let's put it that way. There's not a lot. I mean, a thousand dollars is to me is a lot for. And John, admittedly, I, we're kind of spoiled, right? I mean, we we I will admit to the fact that because we get free admission to a lot of sporting events, that probably it has become diluted to me a little bit. Um. So it would be a very short list of things I would spend a thousand dollars on. There's you, no doubt about. It. Have you ever seen Aerosmith? I never have, and I saw. You know, I will tell you. I think it was right before COVID. 
I was sitting down one day and I said, you know what? I wonder who's coming to Deer Creek soon. I realized it's Ruoff, whatever it's called. And, and I looked it up and the Black Crows were playing the next night. And my buddy Michael Weir and I, were, I called him and I said, let's go see the Black Crows. And I have always liked the Black Crows. It, they were fabulous. It, it was a it was a, a great show. And yeah. I understand uh, it was just announced they're coming with Aerosmith, correct? Yes, the Robinson brothers appeared on a show with me last year. They were very good, too. Yeah, I think, you know, they certainly went through their era or yeah. their, their phase of being relatively pukish. Well, I saw uh, them, I mean, remember when they played out at, at Carb Day and Chris Robinson was with his then girlfriend, um, what's her name, Goldie Hawn's daughter. <laughs> I can't yeah, well, they, they were and, Hudson. They were married at the time. Yeah, right? yeah, they were. And it, down there, it, they were taking laps in the in the pace car. It looked and, like that they hadn't got got uh, had a shower since they got married too. They were that was a dirty time in their lives. I think for both of them. a lot of American spirits being smoked. I remember that. <laughs> yeah, certainly. But I have not seen Aerosmith either, so I don't know. I don't. It's not one of those things that get me all excited, but it was one that I would add to my resume. If I mean, I, I would probably pay it in terms of concerts. The only act that I can think that I would pay a thousand dollars to see, I would pay a thousand dollars to see Oasis if they reunited. Really, like in London, yeah. And I would pay a thousand dollars probably to see Paul McCartney, just because of the stature of who he is. And that's not to say I even have a thousand dollars. Both would be very poor financial decisions on my behalf. Yeah, but those are two that I that I would put in that category. I don't know if I would pay a grand to see anybody in concert. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think so. I would have to be given a thousand dollars to spend and say, okay, you have to spend this. Where would it be? I don't think I would voluntarily just spend a thousand dollars. Yeah, I was trying to think if if all of a sudden, and th- this won't happen, I wouldn't guess, if Novoselic and Grohl got together and then added like a front man like what Queen did, for example, with Adam Lambert, if that would be something, if Nirvana without obviously Kurt Cobain reunited, would I go with that? Boy, I just, and it's, it's crazy to say because those two have been so successful with other ventures since Nirvana, right. but yet. Nirvana, it's it's Cobain. I mean, I, although I mean the same is true of Queen with Mercury for sure, and Adam Lambert's done a great job with that. But um, you know, from a sports standpoint, I will admit, I mean, if the if the Pacers went to a Game Seven of the NBA Finals, a, a grand would probably be fair to pay to see that no question championship. That'd yeah. be pretty cool. Yeah, pretty I would cool. I would agree. I would agree. If they would have made it to Game Seven in two thousand, at um, they were still playing in the were they playing the form or were they at Staples Center then? They were Staples Center were by Staples. then. Yeah, they were at Staples. Yeah, yeah, that would have been that would have been worth it there. I would guess you would like this, John. You probably saw this, but or, or you know because I posted it. But the Great Western Forum in L.A. is in obviously it's in. Um, I can't rem- believe I just. Spaced out the I'm half asleep. Well, hold on one second. Would you would you pay a thousand dollars to see IU in a national title game if they ever get back there as a as a grad of IU? 
probably, well, it, it'd have to be after next Wednesday because I'm still not a grad yet, but it would probably not because I've seen it, not in person, but I've seen that before. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. In my lifetime, I've seen Indiana win a title. So in Englewood, the Great Western Forum in Englewood where the Lakers play, literally right across, the, I went to go see the, you know, I'm out in L.A. and I'm like, I want to see the Forum, you know. So I drove out to see it. It's right next to the new Stopice or Soapy Stadium or whatever. Right across the street is a huge, huge cemetery in Englewood, California. And in that cemetery is buried Louis Meyer, the multiple Indianapolis 500 winner who was the first to drink milk. So I'm like, well, we've got to go and pay our respects to Louis Meyer and like leave milk at his you know, resting place. Or... So I go there and I do that. And lo and behold, who is buried like 25 feet away from Louis Meyer, but Buckwheat from our game. Oh, yeah. He died at the age of 49. He had a very successful life. He was in the military. Um, and after he was one of the of the Argane guys, the one that played Buckwheat, had the most successful probably adult career, served in the military honorably, yep. left the military, and then became a uh, film technician for Universal or one of them before he died of a heart attack at the age of 49. Heart attack or cancer. But anyway, he's buried right next to Louis Meyer. So there's your fun fact. Of the day. Here it is out in L.A. It's uh, Jake Query back from Birmingham yesterday for the IndyCar race. And it is May 1. That means the month of May is officially here. He'll stay active with that. Are you doing Beyond the Bricks? I am. We begin tonight with Mike Thompson, 8 o'clock tonight. Nice. Uh, Beyond the Bricks is kind of what it is for those that are unfamiliar. Um, it's a one-hour show that we do each night here in the month of May, each weeknight. And it's kind of a look through the audio archives of the Indy 500 history and, and the personalities. Um, not necessarily about us telling the history of the Speedway as much as letting the audio tell the history. So tonight, to kick things off, we're going to talk about those drivers that won the very first installments of the Indianapolis 500-mile race. But we're going to tell their stories in their audio. So we have interviews that were done with Ray Haroon and with, you know, Peter DiPaolo and Rolf De Palma and the guys that won in the first decade of the Indianapolis 500, um, you know, in different periods in their lives, they did interviews and they talked about what the Indianapolis 500 and winning it meant to them in their earlier years. And so that's, that's installment number one, which begins tonight. We look forward to playing some of that audio at 8 o'clock tonight. That's uh, 8 o'clock tonight, Beyond the Bricks with Jake Query. Mike Thompson, of course, 7 until 10 a.m. weekday mornings. Jake and Kevin Bowen have Kevin and Query for you here on The Fan. I, I look at it this way, and it's weird. So after the draft, uh, older generational Colts fans are still not – believing in Chris Ballard, so they're highly skeptical, whereas the younger Colts fans are excited, and it seems like some of them, especially that write for blogs and such, might be you know back in the corner of Ballard being a genius, and I've tried to fair and balance this thing. It is impossible to judge the way that I judge is what they needed to do compared to what they did. And that's how I thought it was a good draft. Not because I graded it, not because we've seen an ounce of time from any of these guys at the NFL, but the Colts obviously had positions of need and regardless of the path, went out and filled those. So job well done, right? I would agree with that. The one thing I would say, if you were to to look at it objectively, is that, for example, and, and 
I've always said defensive backfield, corners, safeties, et cetera, that's a position where you can never have too many guys because, you know, it's kind of a rotation. You always get guys that get injured. Guys, it's a very streak play position, so guys kind of fall in and out of favor. Um, But I do think that the need at corner, yes, they addressed it, but it also is a need that they kind of created for themselves. So do you take away a little bit of that, or does that become a draw perhaps? I thought it was interesting they did not – Kevin and I talked about this morning, John. The fact they didn't draft the linebacker tells me that they must feel that Shaquille Leonard is, re- is going to be ready to go. And that's a pretty – or that or EJ Speed is sufficient to fill that void if Shaquille Leonard's not able to go. And those are pretty big ifs, but they would know that better than we would. So I'll trust them on that. The one thing I'll say for Ballard is, you know, he likes athleticism. And I think I kind of applaud the thought process of, look, when it comes to trying to plug in athletes and make your team more dynamic from a speed standpoint, then there's safety in numbers. So instead of taking eight guys knowing that maybe only five of them work out, let's take 12 guys knowing that maybe only seven of them work out. But the law of averages becomes on your side at that point. There's safety in numbers in that regard. 12 guys are not going to make the roster. It's almost a quarter of your roster in a rookie class. That's unrealistic. But I do applaud him that in certain areas he just thought, you know what, we're going to, we're going to swing on the level of aggressiveness of trying to be more dynamic and more athletic. And he does like athleticism. That's been the way that he's drafted in the past. Hasn't always worked out for him. So he decided to take to get himself a few more swings, and I, I've got to applaud at least that approach. Well, and when you're talking about the corner, and you trade Stephon Gilmore in the fashion in which they did, you can view it as in Gilmore probably wanted that, uh, and they just said, okay, here it is. But, you know, a lot of these holes that we're talking about that they're filling, you know, not just the cornerback. It was created by this organization, too. So if you say that about that position, I think you kind of got to say that about nearly every one of these selections to a degree, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I think that that it would have been fair to nitpick. If you were going to nitpick, I think it's Mm. a fair point to say maybe they should have taken more, um, a couple more swings at the receiver position, for example. They They definitely need open space guys. You and I talked about it before the draft. That doesn't change now. They need guys that can just make plays with the football in open space. And if you're going to accumulate more swings in rounds three through five, maybe that was a safe spot to try to get some of those guys. But the thing about the draft and and analyzing the draft to me, I get it. I get the fact that you can look at guys and what they did in college to get an indication as to who they are. But the reality is you don't really know who a lot of these picks are or how they're going to work out until you can see them on the field in the regular. I mean, there are guys that have been drafted by the Colts in the past that look like absolute can't miss prospects that we never heard from again. And then there are guys that when they were drafted, people were like, who is this guy that turned out to be great players. So you might as well give yourself as many chances as possible. Yeah, and I mentioned this, and Jay Quarry joins us. It sounded like Chris Ballard, when he met with the media, either Thursday night or Friday, I think it was Thursday night, um, whenever it was, he talked about, you know, don't start thinking this guy is going to be Superman and be great from day number one, talking about Richardson. And I mentioned this. This was like a, a similar tact that we saw Rick Carlisle and the Pacers take. Hey, hold on a minute. This is going to take a little bit here, so don't get – 
you know, been out of shape if things don't happen instantaneously. And it ended up working out this season for the Pacers, even with not making the postseason. In the court of public opinion, I think most Pacer fans out there are pretty high on the short-term and long-term future of this group. And that's what the Colts are going to need to create with this group and this team going into this season. Yeah, hey, listen, from a the big winner was Ballard at, with the Richardson draft pick because amongst Richardson, Levis, Young, and Stroud, who were the four in play, Richardson is the one that demands and comes with it the expectation of the most patience allowed. So Ballard, give him credit, got a quarterback who, and this wasn't the reason he took him, but it buys Ballard that much more time. Because you have a quarterback that you say, well, you got to be patient here because they didn't get a plug and play guy. They got a guy that you got to organically build around and let him grow. Now, I do think that they're going to put Richardson in there with baptism by fire because I think they know there's nothing to be gained by going like a season of Gardner Minshew with Richardson learning on the bench. I think they're going to say, unless he's a mess, unless he's still messy, if he's really messy and you can honestly see it. Um, and it could end up getting him injured, being messy. Uh, I think you err on the well, side of caution there, but I agree with you on that. Yeah, the injury aspect, uh, for sure. I mean, if it looks like he is going to put himself. The thing that's interesting to me is this is how the league has changed a little bit, and, and certainly their coaching philosophy has changed. You know, Andrew Luck was a dynamic talent, and Andrew Luck was a dynamic talent that they basically told listen, if you've got to run, that's fine. But then, you know, certainly slide, avoid contact, whatever else. They didn't necessarily want Andrew Luck running the ball, and he's as big as Anthony Richardson. With Richardson now, they got him because the dynamic of him running the football, and they're going to design plays for him to do it. Now, they're not going to want him to be Earl Campbell, but they're going to they're going to design some plays for him on draws and whatever else to, to open the playbook with his legs. And that's the way now, and Shane Steichen – is one of those in the NFL in the copycat league that was in the forefront of that. And that's where the league is headed. And so they just decided, you know what, if everybody else is going to be out there with Victor Webb as our quarterback, then we better go out and get ourselves one too. And, and the problem is, whomever it is, it is going to end badly. That part is going to end. There is no way around. You just hope that you get that's a lot of mileage. you got to be able to throw as well. Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm, you get a lot of mileage out of that. And then you're able to evolve more into, you know, leaning on your arm as opposed to your escapability with your legs. That just has a shelf life. Um, it will, and it does, and it will in this sense, too. But I completely understand why they went that direction. I don't mind they went in that direction. And I know that it's kind of a, a tempered-down opinion, but I don't know. Like, they don't play tomorrow, and they can't show you what they're capable of doing right now. I just find it hard to believe that many out there would have much of an issue, but I do get it. Because those that don't believe in Balor are going to take issue with this, and those that that uh, do believe him him won't, and think that there's going to be a rebirth of sorts here. I just happen to be somebody that I'll believe it on the field when it translates when I see it. But I do understand why you go that direction in this draft because you know those selections, maybe other than the trading back and not going for you know a third round talent um, over going for somebody in the fifth round or you know appeasing to the PFF grades of these guys. 
whatever. Maybe I wouldn't have done that, but what they did, I didn't have much of an issue with at all. John, there are two quarterbacks that we can look at right now, and I'm not saying that they were the same player coming out of college. Okay, There's a pretty big gap maybe between these two guys, but two players coming out of college who were quarterbacks that their ability to create in the pocket or have some flexibility with their legs gave them some some versatility that was appealing. Malik Willis was one of those when he was coming out of, you know, a year ago. And that was the one that kind of was a sexy pick that people thought maybe people, you know, first or second round quarterback and he slides, Tennessee takes him. And what happens after a year, they already punted on it and said, let's go get Will Levis. You know, another would be Jalen Hurts, who was one that was brought into Philadelphia. Wasn't thought to be somebody that you were going to build a franchise around. And we know what happened there. And the difference is, maybe the, the, the difference is probably just in the players themselves, but Jalen Hurts had Shane Steichen. So they are hoping with Anthony Richardson that he is a Jalen Hurts as opposed to a Malik Willis, and they're hoping that one of the variables that's going to tip it that way is, in fact, the variable that the Colts control, and that is the coach, Shane Steichen. I think he wanted Anthony Richardson. And he saw did. 100% his decision, by the way. 100%. And I, and I will stand by if it were strictly – and I'll give Jim Mersey credit. Jim Mersey said, I've hired guys to do a job. I'm going to let them do the job. If Jim Mersey was Jerry Jones, Will Levis is your quarterback. But he's not, and so it's Anthony Richardson. So Jake Query right there, the morning show, Kevin Query, 7 until 10 a.m. Anything else you want to add before you bail here? What are you thinking about? Uh, that's it. It's good to be back home. I love the month of May. I wish the weather was a little bit better today, but it is May in Indianapolis, and nothing makes me happier than that. And I look Would you live in the state of Alabama? Would you live in Alabama? Would I live in Alabama? Yeah. Birmingham, Alabama is the most underrated city that we go to. The 1,000% yes. I, I love Birmingham. I think it's beautiful. I think the people are friendly. It's clean. There are cool in, like local restaurants there and microbreweries. I uh, had a great time at the Birmingham Barons game. Yes, I could live in Birmingham. See, I always like some of the area um, around Mobile. Yeah, like I mean, there. there are a lot of beautiful parts. And, of and you know, obviously, you know, you, you, when you get into like Fairhope and stuff, and you're down, you know, near the Gulf and whatever, that's a lot different than what you're talking about right here, and probably what a lot of people could ultimately do to move to Alabama. But yeah, I, I always um, there are like parts that I really, I really did like. So certainly, oh, I mean, certainly the weather doesn't sound bad. It doesn't get tremendously cold down there. So the eastern part of Birmingham is, I mean, it would be like living in. Hamilton County in terms of like the new development and the nice homes yeah. but on the cusp of Brown County in terms of geography. So yeah, I could live there. Yeah, not bad. Good race yesterday. Good outcome, good certainly. A good weekend for you. Did you guys go to any, any uh, barbecue places? No, we went actually on Saturday night. We went to the Birmingham Barons game and um, they were playing the Tennessee Lookouts, the AA affiliate of the Cubs, but it's a new stadium right in downtown Birmingham. You know, Jordan played there. They still sell Michael Jordan jerseys, by the way, in the gift shop. Why not, right? Uh, and so that was really fun. I got down there. Michael Young and I got down there Friday night, late Friday night. Um, so we just went to a little restaurant Friday night. We got there. And then Saturday, we all went as a group. And then Sunday last night, as soon as the race was over, headed back home. So 
Uh, good to be home. Glad to be home for the month of May, but I enjoyed it down there this weekend. Do they have any Jordan memorabilia at those Birmingham uh, Barons games? The, the, the In the main part, like I'm walking through the stadium, which is a newer stadium they have, and they have like little banners of, of you know Reggie Jackson and Bo Jackson and famous players that have played there. And then you get to the main plaza and like, Three stories high is a picture of Michael Jordan. That's incredible. And then in the gift shop, I mean, every third person in the stands is wearing a Jordan 45 jersey. Yeah. They sell, they're not, they're no fools. They know how to cash in on that. Let me tell you, that is still shocking to me. I know. Jordan playing baseball, you know, Bo Jackson doing both, Deion Sanders doing both. I, I don't think still we give enough credit to those accomplishments. That's absolutely incredible. How about the fact that Bo Jackson and Reggie Jackson both played for the Birmingham Barons and are undisputedly, mm. indisputably, the second and third most famous athletes to play there? <laughs> By the guy that batted like 205. Do you imagine being Bo Jackson and being that athletic, being that fast, being that much better than everybody else? The mythical figure, John. A yeah. mythical figure. I mean, my my favorite, arguably my favorite athlete of all time, because this pinnacle was right in my wheelhouse, as you know, uh, of when you're when we admire sports so much. But I have always loved everything about Bo Jackson. I mean, he was. Uh, it's too bad that people, young people today, don't realize just how big he was. Um, but you know, literally, it'd be like probably even bigger than De- like who's the biggest star in football today? Would it be? In terms of breathtaking plays, Mahomes, I mean, like, Mahomes would be the biggest one I, now, would he? It would, it would be Mahomes and Mike Trout as the same guy. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, well, a, a different era where they ran the football certainly, leaned on the running back a lot more. But yeah. man, oh man, I, that still floors me. That and if there is one athlete in our past that you wish would have never been injured to see exactly the levels of which they could reach he is at the very top of your list because we're talking about two sports undoubtedly and i I believe he still has amongst retired players bo jackson still holds the nfl record for highest yards per carry average i think that's still the case in his career 5.6 i think i'm just remarkable and then you know had he had not been for injury a lot of people might disagree with me here. He would have had to have probably stuck with one sport over the other. Could have been a Hall of Famer in both sports, certainly in football. I don't know about in baseball, but a perennial all-star for sure in baseball. Damn. And the greatest athlete in a video game of all time with Tecmo oh, Bo Jackson. Unbelievable. Oh, not, only, not only in Tecmo Bowl, but also in Bill Walsh <laughs> Sega College Football 94. <laughs> yes, he, we were we were playing Tecmo Bowl and Super Tecmo Bowl, and you could run him all over the field. Seriously, there, there are memes out there from it. Run him all over the field that a dude would never get tackled. And it's not like he was like playing a game. I mean, Lawrence Taylor couldn't catch him in games. So, uh, no. Incredible. Right. All right, uh, Beyond the Bricks tonight at 8 o'clock with you and Mike Thompson, right. correct? That is correct. Coming up here in just a couple hours. Look forward to it. You got it, buddy. Have a blast coming. It looks like you're going to get good weather for the mini on Saturday. So make sure you put Band-Aids over your nips so you don't get chafed. (laughs) I will do that. That and body glide. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. All right. We'll see you, John. Jake Query, The Morning Show and Beyond the Bricks tonight at 8 o'clock. Ian Eagle, TNT, and CBS is set to join us inside the lounge via YouTube Live. I'll jump in there with you guys in a second, too. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. I love JMV. He looks like Rascal Flats guy. Got a cool soul patch. He does, and a buttery smooth voice. Oh, yeah. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Trackside Beyond the Bricks later on tonight. If you missed any of the conversation with Anthony Richardson, drafted on Thursday, came on the show on Friday. Actually, on his way to Jim Irsay's office on the show on Friday was really good. My advice to you is to check it out, 107.5thefan.com. Anthony Richardson, who was very good, regardless of what you think, I think most of you are on board with it, but regardless of what you think, incredibly good. Speaking of which, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline, he's on the call. The Eastern Conference semis, Miami with the Knicks, of course. Miami out to that one zip, best of seven advantage in the East. TNT Game 2 coming up Tuesday night at MSG. Calls Brooklyn Nets game for the Yes Network. And uh, we also note that he is Noah's father. It is Ian Eagle on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Hello, Noah's dad. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'll take that. I'm ready, JMV. Let, let's uh, make the shift. I can go to a deserted island, drink uh, some kind of concoction with an umbrella in it, and call it a career. Noah can take over. I'm, I'm going to tell you, that. he is. You have to be incredibly proud at such a young age what he has accomplished and where he is going with what you're doing right now. It has been amazing and been amazing quick for him. Yeah, it's been so cool, really cool for our family and just even for our relationship. Look, father-son, that's one aspect. And now to be colleague-colleague, to talk shop, to have the shared experiences now that we have that he's traveled around the NBA for all these years, it's it's been just an awesome experience. I appreciate it, man. Did he grow up, I mean, a huge sports fan as you were you were doing that and calling games too? He did. Yeah, he was really into it young. I think probably by 13, he had a sense that he may want to try this. I just noticed he was very observant when I was doing my prep. Any kind of media guy that I got in the mail, he would comb through, he would study it, then he'd watch me when I would do my boards in preparation, which to me is not the most exciting part, even though it's the most important part. He took an interest in that, and then if he would accompany me to games, just had very steely focus on what I was doing, how I would do the opening on camera, how I would turn and look at my partner and, and connect on a human level and trying to create a symbiotic broadcast and paid a lot of attention to it. So I got a sense of it, but you just never know. It's funny, when my wife and I drove, drove him up to Syracuse, we dropped him off his freshman year, and she turned to me like three minutes after we, we left. We get on the highway, and she said, uh, what if he's not good at this? What then? I was like, well, I don't, it, we'll deal with that at another time. But he turned out to be pretty Damn, good at it. That is that is awesome. It's Ian Eagle via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You uh, take much stock into what's going on in the NFL draft while the NBA is going on and you're obviously calling the Eastern Conference semifinals with the Heat and the Knicks. You're paying too much attention? It's so funny because I can catalog it in my brain 
the draft always happens when I'm knee deep in NBA stuff, which yeah. means I'm obviously locked in, immersed in what I'm doing. First round, you're bouncing around from series to series. You're traveling every other day. Sometimes you're taking red eyes. You're going cross country the other way. Yet, you know that these are the young men that are going to be a part of potentially the next 10 years of your broadcast on the NFL. So there's a part of you that is absolutely aware of what's happening, but you're not in it like you would normally be in it if I didn't have all this other stuff going on. The the way I I view it, uh, JMV, is I get to know these guys when it's time to get to know them, meaning when I get assigned a particular team, it's your job to research and find out every detail you possibly can in preparation. So during college football season, yeah, I'm watching stuff on a Saturday. If we're not meeting with teams, if we're not having a production meeting, if I'm in my hotel, I got two hours to kill, I have a game on or late Saturday night watching whatever the primetime game is. But at no point am I watching those games with the idea of, hey, this is, this is really important for me once <laughs> these guys get to the NFL. No, you start from scratch. Yeah, it's it's weird around here too because it is a a similar reboot of sorts that the Pacers went through, and I thought even yeah. in missing the postseason, Ian, you got everybody excited around here because of really one month of play, maybe one half month of December of play, where people got excited and thought, all right, well, this product is on the rise, and it's yep. weird considering that you have Chris Ballard going into year number seven and gets a reboot. Normally, that only happens if you've had a level of success, which he hasn't, but it seems like this draft has at least in, infused a little bit of juice that certainly was not sure. there prior to the draft for a fan base that Colts-wise incredibly needs it. Yeah, I think what we've learned with the NFL, probably more than any other sport, draft day is a day of optimism. For whatever reason, the way it works in the NFL, tonnage is important. If you hit on a particular draft, if you have four guys that are impact players for your team and are a part of the fabric of what you're doing, that can really carry a franchise. So you can go from worst to first. In the NFL, we see it every single year. It's not an outlier storyline. It's a real thing. So I do think there's a lot of positive energy that comes from the draft. Now, some of it is trumped up by organizations that are looking to sell season tickets and trying to remain relevant and are doing their best to fan the flames of the fan base. I get that. But sometimes it's real, and this is one of those years, if you're a Colts fan, it could be one of those turning points where you look back on 2023 and you saw the franchise's fortunes change based on this quarterback. There's a mystery surrounding him, whether or not all of the athleticism is going to translate to the next level. And with the success that we've seen of quarterbacks that weren't, necessarily earmarked for superstardom that have gotten to the league and have found their own niche and found their way of doing it. It's something that you can build on. And if you're a Colts fan, I get it. I understand why you would feel this way and you should feel this way today. The problem as we know is the proof is in the pudding and all of this means very little 
until you actually see it play out in real time and you see a player develop at the rate in which they need this player to develop. And no question. I and Eagle, TNT and CBS. TNT, of course, game number two of the Eastern Conference semifinals with the Heat and the Knicks with the Heat up a game in that best of seven. Comes at you tomorrow night from Madison Square Garden on TNT. Are we watching right now one of the better playoffs that we have seen in a while, considering the upsets, considering the injuries and the circumstances, considering the old with the new, the reestablished old, and then the rebirth of the Knicks that you're going to be calling game two coming up tomorrow evening? Are we seeing, are we watching one of the better playoffs so far that we have seen in a while? We're definitely seeing something that the NBA had been hoping for for a long time, and that's legitimate parity, where you could go into a series and throw out the seating and just look at the teams and eye test them and say, wait a second, this team is better than that team. I don't care what the regular season record said. So it's a double-edged sword. You don't want to minimize the regular season where it means very little, but you do want a little bit of the intrigue going into the postseason that a team could pull off an upset, and it's not always going to go according to form. So uh, one crazy stat, JMV, that we've seen this year in the NBA, this is the first time in NBA playoff history that every seed is represented in the second round That's incredible. of the playoffs. Yeah. The one seed, the two seed, the three, go right through, one through. And it's never happened before. Every seed, that shows you that this league truly is now a little more up for grabs than it's been in past years. With that said, the defending champion still in it, even though they were a lower seed, Golden State. Miami, a, a Herculean performance by Jimmy Butler to knock off a number one seed, played a couple of games without Giannis Adetokounmpo, and then two meltdowns by the Bucks to end that series. The Knicks, a five seed. They beat a four seed. Sacramento was a, a tremendous story this year. They have a lot to build on, but they're out as a three seed. Memphis is out as a two seed with the Lakers coming on and rounding into form at the right time. So I, I just think it's got a little bit of everything. And in the end, this is what the NBA wants. They, they want some buzz about the games. The NBA has mastered the art of buzz surrounding the games, but not necessarily the games themselves. It's usually the drama. It's the back and forth. It's who's in, who's out. Now it's actually been about the games, and that's a really good sign. Now, did they just uh, have good fortune? You kind of luck into that, or was that by design for the NBA? We know that they've hoped for that, but it's just kind of interesting. This year, it really did happen, and, and I mean, it happened across the board in this yeah. first round. Yeah, I think it's probably more good fortune than anything else. I do think the new format with the play-in has helped because it did – involved more teams the the lakers never felt like they were out of it maybe in past years they would have packed it in once lebron went down if they looked up at the standings and thought all right we, we can't really hang let's uh let's just plan for next year but because you can land in the top 10 and have a puncher's chance to make the postseason and now take it a step further prior to this year it's still in its infant stages no team had ever emerged out of the play-in and gotten to the second round of the playoffs. Now two have. The Lakers did it, and the Miami Heat have done it. So 
to me, it's going to even become more important over the next five years, 10 years, teams and fan bases that maintain an interest into March, into April. And it also affects now strategy of where you're seated. If you're a one seed, you're a two seed, you know, in the grand scheme, I know Memphis talked a big game, but if given the choice, they would have rather avoided the Lakers entirely. And who knows how that would have affected the way they handled their games down the stretch. So I do think it's going to add a nice wrinkle. It already has, but it's going to continue as this evolves. Uh, it does benefit the NBA playoffs. So JMV uh, to me, this was the year that typified everything that they wanted to happen and probably in some ways needed to happen for this sport to remain at the forefront. Completely agree. Cause they have me. I love basketball. They would have you, you love basketball yes. with whatever they're putting out there, but it's the fringe fans now that I think you get back because of just these endless storylines. And, you know, we're just now getting out of round number one into the semifinals. So that seems like a good thing. It's something that could attract even more. It's Ian Eagle of TNT and CBS on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline with us. So taking over for Jim Nance in the final four in the championship game. Um, I'm just curious. How does one even begin to set their feet for that? And I know that's next March, early April, but that has to be absolutely surreal to you still. Oh man, completely, completely. I think it'll hit me next year when I'm in the middle of it. Nothing changes between now and then I'm still, doing the same amount of college basketball games that I've done. I've always done a full slate for CBS once the NFL ends. Nothing changes in terms of showing up for the first weekend of the tournament and even the second weekend of the tournament, which I've now done the last five or six years. But what does change is the responsibility and knowing that it's a big stage, that that final weekend, that a lot of eyeballs are on it and a lot of people are uh, viscerally affected by it. it. It's one of those things that sticks with you. You remember the NCAA championship game for many, many years after it actually takes place. So to be a part of that, recognizing that uh, they're trusting me with that position but I got to be honest with you, JMP, from a play-by-play standpoint, from a basketball standpoint, nothing changes. Right. I do, I do the same game that I've done. Uh, I bring the same energy that, that I try to bring to every broadcast. And in some ways, and this is going to be a little counterintuitive, it might be easier <laughs> in some ways in that you get to that final weekend and there is just so much leading up to it. If the games are good, you just do your job. You don't have to do anything extra. There's nothing more you have to bring to the table other than be on top of it and be passionate, which is never going to be an issue for me. I just look at it over my era of enjoying college basketball. We'll stay here with that. And from, you know, Musburger to Nance to, you know, Dick Enberg back when NBC had the college basketball product to that couple of years where Gary Bender did it in the mid 80s. It just it leaves such a mark in everybody's history. And I'm just assuming everybody is like me. You have those moments on game calls where that's forever going to be the soundtrack of that's where I was when this took place. That has to add an extra special layer for you that have been working 
all this time to get to this point that is so special to so many, especially those lovers of college basketball? Oh, no doubt. And you nailed it. You nailed the the whole concept behind being a sports fan is twofold. One, uh, a feeling of euphoria, things that you can't really feel in other aspects sometimes of life because these things happen in a moment's notice. So the roller coaster ride that you feel following a sporting event, being a fan, uh, being associated, you can't simulate that. And then the second part, which is a really key part to what you just said, cataloging, how you remember things in your life. Sports fans have a knack. It's so funny you know, for anybody, family, dates that come in mind, birthdays, graduation dates, they become fuzzy at some point. But if you say to someone, hey, uh, 1979, bird magic. Oh, yeah, I know exactly yeah. where I was. I, yeah. and, that, and some people can't relate to that. Uh, there are many people that say, how How do you possibly remember that? You go, oh, that's, that's easy. That's, that's at the forefront of my mind. And you're right. This is one of those events that that makes you remember exactly yeah. where you were, what you were doing, who you were with, what you were feeling. And you're right. That, uh, that, that's what makes it so special. That's, that's the game changer. Well, and those, those memories last forever and, and they're good memories. Now, if your team gets beat, maybe they're not so good memories. <laughs> if, if Key yeah. Smart misses a shot in 87, maybe that Musburger call doesn't live, you know, in greatness around well, here as it might isn't have. That, isn't that uh, ironic though, JMV? Because 87, I'm a freshman at Syracuse <laughs> and I had the exact opposite emotion <laughs> as you can possibly imagine. It's my first year at Syracuse. This is happening in real time. The idea that Syracuse could win a national championship my freshman year of college, and as you recall exactly what was going on in your life, I recall 100% exactly where I was, what I was doing, what I was feeling, and how the emotions flipped because there was an absolute feeling around campus that Syracuse was winning the title. And if anybody was going to stop it, it was not going to be Keith Smart at that point. And that's yep. who emerged as the hero. It's in, it's insane when you think about it, how much can change and how it affects your whole view of not just that event, but your experience. That you know, that changed the experience of me and my, my buddies at Syracuse freshman year based on that one result i look at that as as one syracuse cheerleader with about three minutes to go kind of when the camera turned she kind of gave that you know wow you know i think we got this and then two (laughs) minutes later she's crying that's i I remember the exact cheerleader you're talking about by the way yeah the uh next minute uh two minutes or so she's crying but uh that's amazing so so did you call any of those games at syracuse when you're a freshman uh, not my freshman year. No, the way things are set up at Syracuse, you you got to bide your time. You got to build up to it. By junior year, I was doing basketball games and then football games senior year, lacrosse games junior and senior year, and then ironically, uh, the same basic setup for my son, uh, who we started with, yeah. Noah. Same thing. Uh, difference was he got there in 2015 and graduated in. 2019 so you you can do the math but the same basic tenants were in place with the radio station there and uh it it's obviously worked there have been a lot of really successful and 
outstanding broadcasters coming out of the program. I was thinking when I got out of Indiana State, I think I worked in a tire shop for four years. <laughs> <laughs> but you learned a lot. You I learned did. how to deal with people. You learned how to deal with people that were pissed off about their flat tires. You learned a lot of stuff. Man, you're an absolute blast. I love having you on here. Seriously, I, I could have you tell stories all day. Let's do this again very soon if you get some time, Ian. Yeah, you got him, my man. Always great talking to you. Hopefully more Colts games now yeah. on the schedule. I love doing games there. My first NFL game was for CBS was Peyton Manning's first game, 1998, Indianapolis and Miami. Wow. And what an experience that was. You want to talk about, we'll do that for another time. I'll, I'll tell you that whole story and uh, how I, I still think about it to this day. Just oh, all, everything that, that surrounded that game, that production meeting, sitting down with Peyton Manning that first day, uh, still just blows me away. It's it's wild. It's a birth of greatness all the way around. We definitely have to do that when we have more time sometime down the road as well. We'll be watching you on TNT coming up tomorrow night. Game two between the Heat and the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. That's tomorrow night on TNT. Ian Eagle of TNT and CBS on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. It's been an absolute pleasure, Ian. Thank you. All right, bud. Anytime. It's uh, Ian Eagle Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Love that. I'm way over, but that's okay because that was worth it. Quick break. We'll come back. Scott Carter, top of the hour. Give us a little insight on Anthony Richardson and Tony Leach, bottom of the five. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Now you listen here. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Now go away. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, Iron Eagle's really good. I hope you enjoyed that. Podcast 107.5, thefan.com. Freshman at Syracuse when IU and Syracuse played in 87. He's incredibly young. That is not bad and not bad at all. So, Purdue, I think, is this kid's name Raleigh Burgess? 6'11", 235, power forward. Well, 2024 four-star. That announced that he is going to uh, Purdue. I just saw that. Let me see here. Uh, 6'11", 235, Cincinnati, Ohio. Chose the Boilers over Iowa, Virginia, Indiana, Ohio State, and others. I can't believe that Todd was just in here and didn't mention that. So, good for Matt Painter. Aaron writes this, I and Eagle and Charles Davis may be the best duo calling NFL games right now. I, I could seriously, I told people inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I just need to shut up and let him talk. I could listen to him all day. Scott Carter, latest and a lot more. Probably the most intel on Anthony Richardson that you've heard on this show outside of Anthony Richardson being on this show on Friday, by the way, 107.5thefan.com. Scott Carter joins us next. The Ride with JMV. You are more reptile than man, George. So low and flat that the foot of man is incapable of crushing you. How dare you? 
93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Man, I and Eagles really good. TNT, CBS, I and of course in that heat. Next series, game two tomorrow night. Madison Square Garden on TNT, the uh, new voice of the Final Four in the championship game in NCAA basketball. And that was about as good as it gets right there. And we found out that he was a freshman at Syracuse when Keith Smart hit the shot to beat Syracuse back in 1987 in the national title game. And more of a story regarding that still to come. Tony Leach has a basketball event, bottom of the hour, Midwest Challenge 2023. Teams from Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, and then, of course, the state of Indiana will be playing. We'll get uh, Tony's thoughts on that and uh, a little bit of info for you to check that out coming up on Saturday the 6th uh, over at Attics High School. Check that out. Tony, bottom of the hour. You know, I mentioned on Friday, too, Anthony Richardson joined us. That podcast is up there, 107.5thefan.com as well. Cinco de Mayo on Friday. Who's up for that? I've got a spot. Luna Azul Tequila and our betting analyst, Brent Halverson. Anybody heard of the La Hacienda off of Fox Road up near Geist? Who's up for that? Cinco de Mayo, tell you a little bit more about it before the end of the show. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Potline. For Gators.com, he's got all of the 13 games of Anthony Richardson memorized at this point. Scott Carter joins us now. Hello, Scott. How are you? Hey, doing well. Yeah, he didn't have a huge sampling here, but uh, hopefully uh, he'll have a lot more up in Indy. Well, you certainly would know a lot more about what you have seen and the possible potential than even we do, certainly up here right now. But I did want to ask you this. When I talked to him on Friday, and rarely does an opening interview with somebody like that ever go wrong because they're putting their best foot forward. But for 20 years still of age, incredibly humble and somebody that was very enjoyable to talk to. And I'm assuming that's the same Anthony Richardson you know. And it seemed like to me that for a 20-year-old being thrust into this, that there's a lot more maturity there than maybe folks so far have given him credit for. You agree? Uh, Yeah, I totally agree. That was something I noticed, you know, when I first met Anthony down here in Gainesville. I remember going over to a a local hotel at a recruiting event and meeting him and his mom. And, uh, you know, this was in the December of 2019. So he'd only been about what, 17, 18 at the time. And after you get over just the, uh, the size of the guy for his age, you talk to him, you realize he's got kind of a, what I've always referred to as an old soul. Uh, Anthony just does seem mature beyond his years. Uh, you know, he had a tough uh, upbringing in some ways, didn't have a father figure necessarily, around him a lot and uh, his uncle who turned into that passed away and and it was Anthony and his mom and his little brother for uh, several years until they kind of settled in Gainesville when he was about 10 or 11 and uh, you know but Anthony he's he's a good kid the Colts are getting a really good person and and you know obviously we're all kind of uh, interested in what kind of player he turns out to be but uh, whatever that is, it will, uh, the person will not get in the way of that. What What does he have besides what you just talked about? You know, we we talked about the maturity, uh, the humble nature that he has as a twenty year old. Outside of athleticism, Scott, what would you suggest he already has that he will bring with him as a rookie to Indy? 
Well, I mean, I think it's perspective number one, and it goes back to some of what we just talked about. He he realizes this opportunity, what it is. I mean, you, you don't get this but one one time. And, you know, there was a lot of speculation around here late last season, you know, whether or not he would leave because everyone kind of knew that he was still a work in progress as a quarterback. We could all see the physical gifts, but Anthony Hill, he'll, he'll, he's admitted it here and I'm sure he's talked about it up there you know there's a lot of room for improvement for him to get where he wants to go but he always sensed that he just had a, a wiser outlook about the whole thing uh, than the rest of us especially in today's world with social media people coming at him from all angles uh, I just always thought he was so well grounded and that's just something you really can't teach you either have it or you don't so that's why I think you know, even though he's coming into a tough situation, a lot is going to be expected of him. I just think Anthony's going to handle that about as well as you can for a 20-year-old. I remember when I was 20 years old, I wasn't quite as, as mature as he I was a mess. I was an absolute I, – I even mentioned that to him on Friday. I thought, man – because really, Scott – what he is outside of Jim Irsay, the owner, and the general manager Chris Ballard, and the head coach Shane Steichen, I, I mean, he is an executive vice president of a team of a huge corporation at the age of twenty. This is what he is now, and there are so many ways and and really so many paths you can take that won't work out for you. I mean, it just you—you you have to be built for that all the way around, and that's before we start talking about playing the quarterback position. Seems like that to you, being around him as much as you have in the past, that's somebody you feel that personality-wise is built for all that. I really do. I thought he handled everything here at Florida as well as he could. I mean, you know, he obviously underwent a big. Uh, a change, you know, in, in uh, the middle of the last season when Dan Mullen was let go, the guy who recruited him and that system, and then Billy Napier gets here, and he had to adjust, and uh, he was still growing throughout last season. Uh, you saw him make strides, but you just, as I said earlier, you knew there was a lot more to be done there, but again, it just all goes back to, I think, him recognizing at an early age and with his, uh, you know, his close family and really surrounding himself with some good people like Vernell Brown, who, you know, used to play here at Florida under Urban Meyer, a, a kind of a fan favorite. And now he's working closely with Anthony. Uh, you know, I, I think he's made some good decisions with people who have his best interests at hand. And now, you know, I, I do think he's in a good spot to approach this situation uh, with the best uh, mindset he can and just maturity that, again, you just – you just see, like you say, you have it or you don't. And Anthony has always seemed to have it since I've, I've known him. I, I think another savvy move that we haven't talked about yet and we haven't talked about up here very much is bringing his family up here to surround him with normalcy. I think that's incredibly savvy given his situation going into year number one. Yeah, it creates an instant comfort zone for him away from the facility and, and the spotlight of being a you know number four overall pick. And um, I think – you know, I don't. I know you see different people do it different ways, but I think where Anthony is in life, you know, still being only twenty, having those people around are only going to help him. And uh, I just, you know, he, like I said, he he just had good people in his corner, and I recognize that when it got really serious about the draft and when things started coming at him fast, 
he had people help him, and I think that's why he's represented himself so well. Again, it's uh, Scott Carter here joining us, Gators.com. More on Anthony Richardson from somebody that covered his 13-game experience down in Gainesville via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Uh, we, we see the numbers, and the numbers certainly don't jump off the page. Um, did the numbers dictate exactly how he played, or was there a level of, oh, wow, that you saw that maybe if you weren't watching Florida Gator football that others did not see? And those that just read the box score or read the numbers overall, should they be as frightened as some appear to be right now here? Yeah, I mean, the, the oh, wow factor, I'll give you a little story. I mean, I remember the first game of his, uh, you know, his sophomore season when he was back up to Emory Jones. They put him in the second half, and the uh, Gators beat Florida Atlantic easily that night. But all anybody talking about after that game was Anthony leaping over this player on a long run, and it's like, whoa, who is this guy? And instantly, you know, Emory Jones waited his turn for three years to start. He finally gets to start, but the story was Anthony Richardson, and so there is that wow factor there from the start, which has made him such a intriguing prospect for not only Florida fans who often went back and forth on the numbers that you're talking about and what you see, you know, the potential, but it also what made him such an intriguing prospect in the draft. So Anthony has all the physical tools that you need. I mean, beyond the physical tools, it's just going to be a matter of, I think reps, you, you got to remember, he's still a very inexperienced quarterback uh, going into the NFL. And I just, I just, it's, it's going to be fascinating to me because, you know, you, you see these guys, some of them turn out, some don't. But just, I just think Anthony has a little something there that to me, he's always shown that he, he knows that he's just now getting started. And I, and I don't think he, he just didn't line up for him at Florida with all the timing. But that's why we're going to be keeping a close eye on him up there because he's going to have every chance, obviously, uh, to be the the face of that franchise for the next few years if he he turns out to be the player we think he can be. Is it um, even more eye popping his athleticism when you see him on the field in those moments, certain moments? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's just certain things that he does that I've never seen anybody else do. I mean, you know, I've covered a lot of good players over the years, but Anthony, like. Once you see him in person at practice, whatever, I mean, he'll throw a ball like on just a rope, a perfect spiral. And it doesn't even look like he really tried, and he'll throw it for 40 or 50 yards. It just looks so easy to him. And then you got the size and the speed that blew everyone away at the combine. You know, a guy 245 pounds who can run that fast and jump that high. Again, he just does things that you just don't see uh, any quarterback do. Uh, much less one that big, and the and he's got the arm. Uh, I think the biggest question that we're all kind of waiting to see a lot has been made of his accuracy. I don't think he had a lot of help at Florida on the offense last year. It was probably I've told a lot of people this. I've written it. It was probably the least talented Florida roster since way before Steve Spurrier came in, and that's been over 30 years ago. It just wasn't your typical Florida roster. So. Uh, you know, he didn't have a lot of help to make plays, but he made a lot that were there to be made. Yeah, well, and uh, to a degree, it's not going to be that bad here, but to a degree, once he gets settled in here with this team, they, they're they still a work in progress as well. I, what type of a running game did he have as a starter there? 
Yeah, that, that was the strength. I mean, they had a good uh, running game with a couple of young backs, and Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne. And, you know, Anthony was a big part of that running game, too. With a, I don't have the number in front of me. I think he ended up with six or 700 yards rushing, uh, like nine touchdowns. So, um, you know, he, he that was that was what the offense was built around. And a more or less uh, underneath passing game, kind of a, a, a lot of safety outlet throws. Uh, but he would go down the field, too, but he had some throws where, you know, guys should have caught. And then Anthony, he, he, I think one of the things he's learning is, is touch. You know, you you gotta. He can throw the ball seventy yards in the air, but sometimes you gotta you gotta put a little touch. Is he not a ball placement specialist at this point in his career yet? Yeah, I think that's something that he'll have to work on. I think he he's talked about that a little bit. He knows that he can be better in that department. Uh, I just think it goes to really just again that lack of experience. I mean. You know, he just he he was a starter in high school, obviously here in Gainesville. But I think his senior year, he missed half the year because of an injury. Then he gets to Florida and you know watches for a couple of years, and then he you know starts those uh, thirteen games that you mentioned, and that's really it. I mean, there's not a huge sample size on the guy. Yeah, there's not. It's weird. I mean, it really is, too. But I will say this. It got um, most of the fan base around here at least a little bit more juice because there was not a lot of energy surrounding this team. And then they make that pick. And I think most of those fans out there were were happy with it. It just depends on how much time it's going to take for him to come around and, and evolve as that starting quarterback here and be productive. Scott Carter of Gators.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. So the reaction here was, for the most part, really good. How was the reaction when he decided to bail on college football by the Gator fan base down there? Did they expect it? Did they think it was going to happen? Or were they disappointed in that? It was kind of a, a split uh, fan base because, you know, the, the people who really understand the position in the game and where the Gators are as a program uh, trying to rebuild with Bill Napier, they knew what it would be to have Anthony back and, you know, kind of what we've talked about. This guy is so young and just getting started. He's only tapped into a, a little of his potential. But then there was the other side that, you know what, uh, Gators went at six and seven. Uh, his stats weren't that great. Uh time to move on so that's just the nature of the beast but I think anybody who really understood they know what they lost when they lost Anthony Richardson I mean he 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 could use obviously another year of college football would have only helped him but if I'm in his shoes I'm doing exactly what he did I'm going ahead you only get to you know possibly be a top five pick in NFL draft once in your life so I can end it's a life-changing moment for him and his family so I'm totally uh, agree with making the decision. But I think Gator fans were a little more – those who complained were just more upset because I think they realized they missed out potentially on something special uh, if he'd come back. I had to ask him this, you know, about playing basketball because, you know, obviously we, we love basketball around here too, and he's incredibly athletic. And I saw some highlights of him dunking and things of that nature. Could he have played with the Gators? Football or basketball program, I should say. You know, he, he could with this team the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know good. if Billy Donovan's teams he would have made, but uh, he's certainly an athletic enough presence to where he could have made some stuff happen around the rim and rebound and that kind of stuff. Uh, they would have a, you know games. The football team would gather over in the complex here regularly over the summer, and he'd be one of the guys out there who would uh, 
like you said, making all those highlights. And he wowed his teammates a lot out there. So that's just that's just Anthony. I mean, again, it's just this – he's a freak athlete. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of freak athletes in, in, in the NFL, obviously. But I think to do it at that position – uh, with what he, the tools he has, that's what makes him even unique among that group. Now, from the games that you watch, not necessarily just the quarterback position, but all positions, where would he rank if you were going to rank a hierarchy of, of players within the SEC or in college football that you saw a year ago? Where would you rank him? I mean, just on pure, like a guy who I, I would go – buy a ticket and want to watch play. I mean, he, he's one of my top five in the league for sure. I mean, it was a, it was always made interesting whenever you showed up at a game on Saturday with the Gators last year, because you just didn't know what you might see. I mean, and like I said, it started really that year in 2021 when he uh, was a backup and he made some, I think in his first two appearances, he, he reeled off uh a 70 or 80 yard run in both games. And then he got hobbled mid season and slowed down. Uh, and then of course uh, he only had that one start against Georgia when the season was kind of went out of control and he didn't do much there. It's a tough spot to throw him into, but then last year, uh, you know, everybody got so excited after they beat Utah. I think he played a really nice game that night. Uh, but again, it was just a team that didn't have the pieces to do it consistently. And, I, and that hurt Anthony some. And I think he, he hurt himself some with some decision-making, you know, that was well-reported down here. I mean, it was kind of the ongoing storyline last year with this team, just inconsistency. And uh, I think it hurt the Gators. It hurt Anthony. Um, but again, that's just where the experience factor really really cost him, I think. Yeah, it is. Uh, Scott Carter covers the Gators down in Gainesville. Gators.com. A little bit more insight on Anthony Richardson, that number four overall selection for the Colts on Thursday's round one of the NFL draft and the Colts' future. You, you're thinking that the combination, because I, I've said this and this is true, Shane Steichen, who's yet to coach a game here, had the loudest voice as far as wanting Anthony Richardson here. You view that as a really good combination first year head coach rookie quarterback growing together like this because again essentially he was the loudest voice he being Steichen that's who he wanted as his quarterback of the future yeah I think it's a it's a good combination to have when you're trying to uh, you know relaunch a, a franchise and uh, create some new excitement and, and get things turned around I mean it's always going to start in the, with the quarterback in that league and um you know, and for Anthony, I think it's a great situation to have a new coach who, you know, he's he's new and he's trying to prove himself. And obviously, Anthony's trying to prove uh, himself at that level. So, I think it's kind of a a win win combination from just the uh, the lens we're looking through at it right now. And now you got to go out there and make it happen. I was on their conference call the other night after the draft, and you know, I heard uh, Ballard say, you know. We wanted Anthony. We got him. Now we got to go out there and play and make make it happen. And that's where they are. But I would be excited if I was in Anthony's shoes right now. It's uh, Scott Carter right there. Fantastic. I appreciate that debut on the show. A little bit of a breakdown for us on Anthony Richardson 
and see what Colts fans can look forward to. He was really good, like I mentioned on the show on Friday. So uh, heavy, heavy expectations, no doubt, but uh, see what happens. Scott, I appreciate you hopping on here, man, and uh, enjoy all the athletics you're covering down in Gainesville for the foreseeable future. Maybe we'll hook up again some other time to see how things are going around here. Thank you, buddy. All right, thank you, guys. So Scott Carter right there, Gators.com, via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Highline. I mean, we've taken this thing inside and out. Much further you can go with it. If you missed him on the show on Friday, the podcast is 107.5thefan.com. He was really good. Speaking of really good, Ian Eagle, 4 o'clock hour, TNT. It is round two, or if you will, the Eastern Conference Conference semifinals, I should say. Uh, Between Miami and the Knicks, game two, Miami's up a game in that best of seven. That's tomorrow night on TNT. Ian Eagles also taking over for the NCAA Tournament Final Four and Championship game with Turner Sports and CBS was, simply put, outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. If you missed any of that, that podcast, 107.5thefan.com as well. Jake Query a little bit earlier, too. Tony Leach has the Midwest Challenge. It's a hoops extravaganza coming up on Saturday. A team from Illinois, Wisconsin, and Michigan, and, of course, Team Indiana. going to happen at Attics High School. I want Tony to tell you how you can watch a high level of basketball coming up on Saturday at Attics High School. Tony's going to join us coming up on the other side. 93.5107 by the Fed. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Here's Jenny! David Letterman! Hi, David. I'm Grandpa. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jake Query's got behind the bricks coming up later on tonight at 8 o'clock. Track signs at 7 for you. Month of May officially underway. Jake, a little bit earlier, the podcast 107.5thefan.com, the new voice of the Final Four and the championship game on CBS and Turner Sports. And, of course, he's going to be the lead play-by-play man. He's got the Heat and the next game, two tomorrow night on TNT. Ian Eagle joined us earlier. Scott Carter from down in Gainesville. A little more reaction to Anthony Richardson. And if you missed Anthony Richardson, the Colts quarterback, drafted number four overall on Thursday podcast because he joined us on Friday at one. 1075thefan.com. All right. Midwest Challenge 2023. That is coming up this weekend at Attics High School. It features teams from Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, and Indiana. So many names you know, certainly from the state of Indiana. We are joined now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline by a couple. One, Mr. Basketball for the state of Indiana. Marcus Burton is on with us, as as well as uh, Tony Leach, the event coordinator, joins us as well. Fellas, how we doing? Hey, we're doing well. All right. Well, I love it. Who came up with this? Tony, I'm going to start with you. We'll get to Marcus in a second. Was it you that came up with this? I think it's a a great idea. Basketball, high-level basketball coming up this weekend. Was this your idea? Yes, it was. Uh, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm uh, Indiana born, went to IU, and long time ago, I won't say where, but, uh, you know, but I remember going to the, you know, Indiana-Kentucky series, and 
And uh, I've been involved with uh, basketball for a while with my, my older son, just uh, coaching on the coaching level. And uh, so I've got a lot of relationships in, in multiple states. So decided to do this event about five years ago. And, um, you know, Midwest Challenge was, was born. And our very first event, you know, Tyrese Halliburton came in from Team Wisconsin. And Eric Hunter Jr., top player of Tinley, played at Butler and, and Purdue, as you know. Yep. And uh, it's, it's just kind of grown really from there. That's awesome. Well, that's Tony Lee. She is the event coordinator, and we'll give you again the times and the site coming up in a minute. But we're also, it's a pleasure to be joined by Pingard, and he is your 2023 Indiana Mr. Basketball, Marcus Burton, who is with us. Marcus, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How about yourself? Oh, great. Great to have you on the show. Congratulations on the honor. I know. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks now since the announcement was made. Is it all kind of soaked in, getting the highest honor at the high school basketball level in this state, taking that back to Penn, and then on board with you going to Notre Dame? Still feel as special as it did the day it was announced? Yeah, it does. It feels, it feels real special, honestly, just knowing that I was probably the third from South Bend, Indiana, to win Mr. Basketball. So, I mean, was pretty good. Yeah, I would imagine so. You think about that, South Bend. And I, I think we talked about that on the show. Yeah, it had been a long time since that particular area had taken home the the Mr. Basketball. I, I want you to, in your words here, for those around here that you know, know obviously, Marcus, about you know the Indianapolis area and basketball and some southern Indiana, you know, maybe even western Indiana, tell them about the level of basketball that's played in and around the South Bend area that folks around here may not know a great deal about? Uh, down here in South Bend, it's a, it's a lot of good basketball. It's a lot of good players down here, but mainly we don't get the recognition we get because we're up north, so no one really looks at us. But, I mean, it's a lot of good basketball players here, knowing that we had Blake Wesley, Jay Nivey, Demetri Jackson, J.R. Kinesi. So it's, just, it's, it's a lot of good talent. But, I mean, once we go down to Indy and prove that we're really good basketball players, then I, I feel like people start to look more over – to South Bend, the South Bend area. So, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty much it, yeah. Yeah, you know what else, too, Marcus? You probably noticed this as well. It, it's so easier now to see. Like, b- back in my day, I mean, if you didn't make it to the Final Four or if you weren't around Indy to have, you know, the semi-state broadcast, you had to listen to it on the radio. You didn't see it. But now with the Internet and, you know, you got so really much easier ways to see your game. So uh, people around here knew about your game long before you won Mr. Basketball. So there is that. There is that bringing together and bringing closer the game of basketball in this state by virtue of the Internet, which I'm assuming a lot of your product and a lot of people around here probably saw you play well before you won that Mr. Basketball Award. Yeah, they did. So Marcus Burton, the Mr. Basketball 2023 with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Again, the Midwest Challenge, Team Illinois, Team Wisconsin, Team Michigan, and Team Indiana. Christmas Addicts High School, that is on Saturday, May the 6th. The event coordinator is Tony Leach, who also is hanging with us right here. All right, the makeup of Team Indiana. We know Marcus, who's with you right now, is a part of that. That's awesome. Who else is on board with that team? Well, I tell you, you talked about Marcus. I mean, he was uh, well deserved for the for the the Mr. Basketball Award. You know, thirty points uh, with with fifty six percent from the field and forty two percent from the three point line. So he he definitely earned that. But uh, but he's not alone. We got Xavier Booker, McDonald's All American, state champion at Cathedral, just coming back from an Allen Iverson game over the weekend, along with his running mate Jake Davis from Cathedral. So we got two state, actually four state champions. Those two, along with 
Ben Davis State champions for 2023, Sheridan Sharp, along with Zane Doty, who just committed to Ball State. So, you know, it's it's a it's a great group of uh, players. It's uh, 12 players total. But uh, not just in Indiana. We've got some, some really good talent coming from the other states as well. Uh, Wisconsin's bringing in uh, Bradley Commit, uh, Darian, Darian Birch, Luther Smith, who's going to Southern Indiana, uh, Michigan, uh, Chuck Bailey, who's going to Evansville, and John Blackwell, who's going to be heading over to uh, Wisconsin. So, uh, And then Illinois is going to be loaded. They've got two uh, Kansas State commits, who Kansas State made it to the Elite Eight last year, Michaela Rich and Dede Ames, and also electrifying uh, point guard Jalen Griffin, who's a uh, semi-on product going to Jacksonville. So if you like uh, you know, high school basketball, you're going to be in for a treat. And again, it's five great games on Saturday. I'm going to ask you both this um, to close here. First you, Tony, how difficult is it to put this together and to get especially the Team Indiana names that you just went through all together for a weekend and a Saturday like that. That has to take a lot of work from your standpoint to get something like that done. And then you add the three other teams to boot. Well, I tell you, I've got a list of about 368 things to, to do uh, to coordinate the event. Uh, but I'm young CEO of Sports Ventures International. We also have a sports square business as well. But it's a lot of work. But I tell you, what makes it easier is the relationships I've been able to build over the last 15 years, being in the basketball community, not just in Indiana, but also in, you know, really all over the country. So uh, just having great people to, to assist in, in this effort. Uh, has made it uh, easier to coordinate. It's uh, Tony Leach, the event coordinator, Midwest Challenge 2023 coming up on Saturday at Attics High School. Yeah, I'll, I'll get some more of the details on how people can go uh, with you in just a second. But Marcus, I want to close out with you right now. Marcus Burton's the Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana this year. How impressed were you the first opportunity you had to talk with Micah Shrewsbury? Uh, I was very impressed. Uh, I was excited when I first met him. I was a little shy, but I mean, once we got to talking and stuff, and once he got to talking about what he was going to do this upcoming season for Notre Dame, I was really excited what he got, what he had planned, and who the guys he had coming in. So I mean, I'm extremely excited to play for him, and I'm just ready to get to Notre Dame to play. I'm assuming that, and I want in your words to tell me what maybe he said to you about it, but my assumption is that he's probably told you you're going to have the ball in your hands a great deal. Was that kind of how the conversation went, especially initially? Uh, I wouldn't say that, but, I mean, he he told me that uh, he was going to let me play, he was going to trust me, and he's going to give me a lot of freedom to, to play, but he needed to trust in me. So, I mean, I'm just excited to get there and, do what I do. What's um, Notre Dame basketball like in South Bend? We know what Notre Dame football is like, not just in South Bend, but around the country. What What's Notre Dame basketball like in South Bend? And I'm assuming you want to raise the image and the background of Notre Dame basketball a great deal moving forward as a freshman up there. But what, what's it like up there? Do you watch Notre Dame basketball a lot before you decided to, to go to Notre Dame and stay there? Oh, yeah. Notre Dame was one of my dream schools. I used to watch Demetrius Jackson a lot when he went there. So, I mean, it was somewhere that I wanted to go, knowing that Notre Dame was in the ACC, so there were plenty of great competition all the time. So, I mean, it was somewhere that I wanted to go, and when they offered me, it was a dream come true. It's uh, Marcus Burton, the Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana in 2023. And again, he's going to be a part of Team Indiana coming up on Saturday. Tony Leach has put this together, Midwest Challenge. It is with Michigan, Illinois, Wisconsin, and Team Indiana on Saturday. How can people out there listening attend this event be a part of it, Tony? 
I tell you what, as we as we mentioned, five great games again. As you mentioned, Saturday, May sixth, the first game kicks off at ten o'clock uh, with Team Illinois and Wisconsin, and then Michigan and Indiana at noon. Um, there's other three games after that with the championship at five. But they can get the tickets at fifteen dollars. Prepballstars.com is the way they can get tickets online. And we'll also um, – they'll be available at the door as well. But I would encourage fans to, to get these tickets online because, um, you know, we're expecting a, a lot of fireworks on, the, fireworks on the court and we're expecting a, a big turnout. Okay, so – and again, 10 a.m. for Illinois, Wisconsin, noon for Michigan and Indiana – and then you will have the uh, unsigned senior game at one thirty, the consolation game at 3, and then the 5 o'clock championship game. Tony, that's a lot of hoop right there, buddy. That's a ton. That's a hoop. A lot of good hoop. A lot of talented players going to be in the gym on set. So you can get those tickets at the door, but your advice is to log on and get the tickets where one more time, Tony? That's at prepballstars.com. Prep, P-R-E-P, ball, and then stars.com. You got it. Tony, I appreciate your time. Marcus, congratulations. Can't wait to watch you play as a freshman up in South Bend at Notre Dame this year, and congratulations on being Mr. Basketball, man. We'll be watching. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thank you you so much. You got it. uh, Tony Leach right there, and... uh, Marcus Burton, Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana. That was a surprise. I didn't know that he was going to jump on there. Well done. That sounds fun. So basically it all begins at 10 a.m. and goes through like 5 o'clock in that final game of the championship. So that's a lot of hoop right there at Attics High School coming up on Saturday. Tony Leach and... Mr. Basketball in the state of Indiana, Marcus Burton on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Quick break, and we'll come back. Some calls if you want to close this show out. Ian Eagle was great a little bit earlier. Jake Query was on here as well. Scott Carter, too. We start the month of May, trackside and beyond the bricks, every night, which means it is a hell of a time of year. Man, it feels good. I know it feels like November out there right now. It looks like it, too. May 1, trackside 7, beyond the bricks at 8, 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Sis Boomba. Sis Boomba. <laughs> Describe the sound made when a sheep explodes. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Uh, Indiana Mr. Basketball, Marcus Burton and Tony Leach. Midwest Challenge 2023 Attics High School begins at 10 a.m. coming up on Saturday. Team Illinois, Team Wisconsin, Team Michigan, Team Indiana. That's 10 a.m. and noon, respectively. Unsigned senior game, 1.30 consolation game, 3 championship game. 5 o'clock, all at Attics coming up on Saturday. I'd like to thank both uh, Tony and, again, uh, Marcus for joining the show. Scott Carter, Gators.com, Ian Eagle, TNT, CBS, Jay Query. Of the morning show, Kevin and Query, and Beyond the Bricks tonight at 8 o'clock makes its 2023 month of May debut. He and Mike Thompson coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. Follows Trackside, which is coming your way at 7. Meantime, 239-1070 is the number. 
Email address is 1075thefan.com. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live where things have been fantastic all afternoon. I want to thank everybody for taking part in that. But we'll do calls to close out this show. Bill is going to start at 239-1070. Hello, Bill. JMV, how you be? I am going to be out on Friday on Cinco de Mayo. You're going to be there? You know it. Ole, buddy. La Hacienda is where we're going to be on Fox Road. I believe that's in the Geist Geist vicinity, somewhere up there. We got to get the whole crew out there, but yes. everybody's got to come out. Oh, yeah. For Cinco de Mayo, the Luna Azul tequila yeah. with Brent Halverson, uh, we're going to be a mess. It's going to be great. Well, anybody that doesn't show up is missing out, but uh, um, I wanted to get your opinion on, on the Miami Heat. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of I'm pulling for them, and if you're like me or anybody else out there that has sprained an ankle, every time I see that, you know, the the footage, or I'm watching a game and they and they somebody sprains their ankle like Jimmy Butler did yesterday, and and you see, you know, what, what position the ankle's in, it just always, you know, I it just always puts a knot in my stomach because uh, when, once you sprain your ankle and you, and you do it repeatedly, I mean, you're spraining your ankle for the rest of your life pretty much. So you have to have to be careful. So I was sorry to see that uh, with him. I was, I'm happy for Cody Zeller. I, I, I think he's going to be getting some more minutes that he, I thought he looked pretty good in there and he, he did some things in the fourth quarter. It looked like to kind of disrupt the interior game. Uh, uh, so I, I, I'm going to be watching him as well, but uh, Lance Stevenson has uh, appeared, uh, I guess, in some kind of league, non-developmental league with some league down in the Caribbean uh, with uh, um, with the sights set on my, maybe trying to get back to the to the NBA. So here's here's the question: Does Lance get another chance with the pace? Well, I mean, Lance is down there, and um, who else is down there? Just DeMarcus Cousins down there too, I believe. I think they, I think that was the name that I heard. Also. I will tell you and this: Yeah, yeah, Puerto Rico, I think. yeah. The uh, the ship has sailed on on Lance for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I love Lance. Don't get me wrong. I always have and always will. But yeah, that ship has sailed. But I, I think I did hear where Demarcus Cousins is playing in Puerto Rico, trying to get back to right. Well, I, I, I hope so. Hey, I'm Billy. By the way, that. the NBA postseason has been absolutely outstanding so far. Seriously, I, I know we so. live in the moment. We live in the moment, but it, it's tough to recollect the last time you had all this going. You had injuries. You've had upsets. You had incredible performances, individual and collectively. I mean, really has through round number one had it all. Well, yeah, and and, and all the, the the lower seeds are beating the higher seeds, and and just uh, uh, upsets galore, just like you said. So, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna be watching, but uh, I think. I think they got it right between ESPN and TNT because it always seems like there's games on uh, between those two networks. They seem they seem to coordinate with each other. Pretty I was well. bummed last night, and I ended up watching Philly and Houston play baseball and some naked and afraid. I guess I watched a little bit of that too. They were hanging out in Argentina. I think it was a repeated episode, but I missed it last night because they had the two afternoon games and nothing at night. That bummed me out. Yeah, there wasn't. I mean, there wasn't very much uh, to watch uh, last night. But uh, I, I, I caught your interview with Gardner Minshew, and he, he sounds uh, uh, like say so he's got he's got to come out to one of the remotes and everything. But uh, you know, when when Dalton and Roadhouse says take the train, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I think uh, uh, the train for Gardner Minshew should be called the Minshew Choo Choo. 
and that train is going to be leaving the station, and we got to get on board on that train. And I think this guy's going to have a. I don't see any reason why he can't just have a bang up year. Are you you you're thinking you're thinking you're going to see Minshew over the rookie, and they're not just going to throw the rookie out there and have him start playing? I think no. He only played thirteen. Like somebody else brought up earlier, he only played thirteen games. I think. Uh, uh, if you're looking for a, uh, I think it's a developmental project and everything. But you got Sam Ellinger sitting right there, and you got other quarter. We got you got Foles on the contract. Uh, take your time with this guy. Don't screw it up. Yeah, well, I would agree with that portion of it. But if uh, I guess I, I don't know if I would put him in a glass case. If that makes sense, does that make sense to you? I wouldn't put him yeah. in a glass case. If you feel that he is nearing ready, I mean, you gotta you gotta wind this thing up and go kind of don't you well you you do and then and plus the fan base is going to demand it there's no question as, well and i will say this that you're they're they're fortunate though that there's so much of this fan base that's like you that digs on really wouldn't mind to see gardner Minshew. you know it's not like that you know well you know sam ellinger nobody's fighting to see sam ellinger you know, nobody's fighting to see Nick Foles, but people are intrigued about Menchu. So really, it's it's almost like for the the Colts, it's the best of both worlds in terms of that decision. I, I definitely agree with that. And it, and if you are a Boston Bruins fan today, it's a good world today. Oh well, listen. I love the fact that the Boston people are crying. Nothing makes me happier. And it's not because of the whole Patriots thing either. It's just in general. I love the fact that Boston people are crying. It's hilarious. Love it. It's a hell of a way to go out right there, isn't it, Billy? It it, it is. Bad timing. Yep. Bill, I'll see you on Friday. La Hacienda, Fox Road, Cinco de Mayo with Luna Azul Tequila, okay? Till then. See you then, Billy. I cannot imagine, sitting here right now, I can't imagine. And it's a weird dynamic, right? Because you do have fans out there like Bill that kind of want to see Menchu, meaning they don't mind if it takes longer to get the rookie out there. But I say this, if you're even in the vicinity of being ready, go. Don't you don't you clock in and go here? I mean, there's no glass case we're talking about, right? There's no bubble wrap. You got to go. At least that's what I think. Got to get going. Indy Bo at 239-1070. Indy Bo, by the way, was having a spectacular time at the Ron Colley <laughs> Roar event on Saturday night, as was I. Hello, Bo. By the way, it was great to see you, Jamie V. As always, you killed it. Roar was great. Loved it. Loved Hopefully. it. There's so many good people there. So many good people. Amazing. Hopefully, we raise enough money to build the Taj Mahal on the backside of that school. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. I cut out. I cut out a little. Not early, but I I cut out when uh, when I was able to to get out of there because I I was a little bit tired at that point in the night. But man, what a, what a great event! I and I don't know. I can't remember the guy that designs all that. That's the incredible part. I oh mean, my all those different stages with the different films represented from The Shining to Titanic to Jurassic Park to Psycho. It was incredible. It really was. Well, just missing a Dumb and Dumber. I think they were missing a Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> well, somebody was dressed up as Dumb and Dumber there. I did see that. So 
Hey, well, you got out at a good time before. I didn't know if you noticed. I had I was sporting the old Jeff Spicoli uh, shirt. Uh, nice for for the back for the, for all the back stuff there. So, well, so the the Spicoli shirt. Did you did you walk in there with your shirt unbuttoned all the way down and a bagel in the front of your pants? <laughs> <laughs> I walked in and they asked me. I belong there, and I just said, I don't know. I just need some tasty ways and a cool buzz. <laughs> well, see, I've I always, and, and it's out there, too, I've always wanted that. It's a, it's a 70s Colt 45, t- a very 70s-looking Colt 45 T-shirt that's <laughs> yellow, and I've been trying yeah. to track that down forever. I got it, man. I'm telling you. That's you awesome. Seen it. I, Hey, either way, you did a great job. I wanted to say thanks, man. And yeah. I know we didn't get much of a chance to talk. You were really into it. And so, uh, real quick, I was going to ask, I know we talked Pearl Jam just for a little bit, but uh, are you going to be making it out to the offspring and George Thorogood this year, too? Um, I don't know about that. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. There is so much. I'm going to have to dial into what's all happening. Because there's a ton going on. Like I give you a great example. You know, even beyond Ruoff and beyond Old National Center and Cambridge Fieldhouse and the TCU Amphitheater, I mean, Brown County's got a terrific venue now, and and Christian and the gang down there have a lot of nice acts that I want to oh, see. My God, but fantastic. yeah, I just I want to see. I do want to see Pearl Jam. Um, the thousand dollars that some are spending for it seems a little lofty crazy but i want to i do want to see pearl jam having never seen them and knowing that rarely in the past have they stopped here but yeah one thousand dollars is a bit salty well i've got a ticket for you and you got an invite all i'm asking to do is just bring some uh little kings i'll have the strohs going and we'll just uh we'll roll off oh yeah have a good time you already got your pearl jam tickets yeah, I do. Oh, I hell yeah, I'm going. I'm there. A hundred percent. I'll call you before we get back into that room. But either way, I just wanted to call and thank you, man. Did a great job at Ron Colley, you know, and uh, I appreciate everything. Man, Indy Bowl, that's fantastic. Thank you very much. It's great. No, I did have a great time. It was a busy weekend for me. I did this show three hours on Friday and then popped in next door and did six hours of the JMV Takeover on Friday night. And... Uh, then on Saturday, Laney had a couple of games over a Warren. And by the way, shout out to Craig Eubanks, who just juggled like nobody's business over there because they had all these games going on. And then the storm rolled through yesterday afternoon and they lost power for about two hours over at Warren. And also, too, I wanted to give a shout out a couple of different ways to Warren Central High School and those that were working and kept that event going as well. But it is amazing to see the trophy case at Warren Central High School. I could have looked at that all day. That brought back so many memories going all the way back to obviously Jeff George in 1986. But that is a trophy case. Like Eastern Green's got a, hey, here's a trophy case. That is a trophy case. (laughs) It is awesome. But a great facility. And and those that I think there were some working that were representing Warren Central as well. Job well done. I didn't see any jackassery going on with fans or coaches or teams. See, I just I walk by these officials and I just tell them great job. I say great job. Now I'm also trying to get calls from my daughter, but I do walk by them and say, hey, great job. But no, it was it was cool. Even with that lengthy delay that was out of their control. I think Craig and 
and the people at uh, Warren Central did a great job. But no, on Saturday night, I hosted Ron Colley's Roar event, and it was the second consecutive year, and it is amazing to see um, all the Ron Colley folks come together. And what's even more amazing is there were so many people there that no longer have kids going to Ron Colley, which is pretty cool. To me, it's pretty cool. So it's funny, too. Somebody just uh, trying to see where this started right here. Uh, oh, yeah. It says JMV has moved on. Depressed. Started something with Tony Katz about me going on with Tony Katz. And listen, all I do is talk sports with Tony Katz. I don't listen to political shows and nothing against Tony. I just don't care. I don't care about politics. I don't care about his politics. I don't care to discuss politics anywhere at any time. I simply do not care. So he asked me to come on, and he asked me questions about the Colts draft. and asked me questions about sports, and that's what I do. And I was explaining that, and then somebody said, hey, JMV moved his kids to private schools. Public schools are no longer his concern. Well, actually, I have one uh, that still goes. Uh, the other, the one that goes to Ron Connolly, needed it. You ever have a kid, right? You ever know a kid that needed a little bit more? He needed to be under that microscope a little bit more. I love him, but he needed it. He needed it, and that was a decision. Believe me, there back in the day when I was at Eastern, and if somebody would have said, hey, you know what? Well, here's some money you got to spend to send your cool to high, or kid to high school, I'd have thought, what? But Ron Colley for Blake has been incredible. Incredible, And sometimes you don't really understand the path that you have to take that is best for your son or your daughter. And it's going to be different, I think, here. The best one for Blake was going to Ron Colley and being under that microscope and having somebody on them at all times. And then Laney can be, hey, I'm Laney, you know, let's giggle. And it doesn't matter how big the school is. They're 100% different. And that's where we are with that. I'm proud. I'm I'm proud to represent Ron Colley. I'm proud that Blake goes there. And I really enjoy the folks at CG. And I know Laney absolutely loves going to CG. So this comes down to parental decisions that is best for your kid. And where I am right now, we made two incredible decisions. I got to thank everybody out there for that everybody that helps my kids out thank you very much hey by the way james thank you for the great show today jake query ian eagle of tnt and cbs scott carter of gators.com tony leach mr basketball for the state of indiana marcus burton out of penn high school the midwest challenge on saturday at attics high school beginning at 10 a.m Anthony Richardson podcast. If you missed the new Colts quarterback, 107.5thefan.com. Beyond the Bricks at 8, trackside at 7. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the month of May. Enjoy. Back with you tomorrow at 3.